Look at you giving credit where credit's due. What do you mean? Dr. Freeze. <laughs> well. I didn't go to six years of frozen medical school. <laughs> Welcome to episode 193 of Flicks in the Six, where we race to episode 200 at breakneck speeds. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always. The man, the myth, the scallywag, Alessandro Balsi. Say hello, Al. Oklahoma, 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 Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so prepared? <laughs> this is what happens uh... when we take off for three weeks, is I start getting antsy, and then I start getting creative. Sometimes it's a win. Sometimes it's not. It's one of the few times that I really wish that this was a video podcast. So ridiculous. I kind of wish that you dented the pot too, the way that he did. That was pretty well, impressive. I was trying to I was trying to balance the obnoxiousness and the obviousness of the sound sure. alongside with not setting off my dogs. And somehow I managed to hit that ten out of ten. Well done. Well done. On this week's episode, Rome is boring. Star Wars Day slash Obi-Wan. <laughs> Spirit Halloween. I got myself. <laughs> the DC overhaul, Avatar, the way of water, and Dolly Parton, way of water. No. All before Do- <laughs> Dolly Parton, Taco Bell. Yes. I have no idea what any of these mean. That's not true. I know about so, the Star Wars one. M- mission, um, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> all before diving into our flick of the week, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. But first, Al, pork chops, apples, why is this a combo? I don't know, but it has been for a long time. What's the deal with that, though? Like, I just had pork chops with some sort of apple ginger compote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. It was good, but I, well, I don't I mean, pork I chops don't and apple sauce. One of yeah, my favorite yeah. things was a center cut pork chop with some sort of apple reduction glaze thing. And also, these massive, picture Granny Smith type of apple, mm. cord, and some sort of, like, brown sugar... Stuffing inside okay. of the apple. Okay. I didn't. I was never big on on like cooking shows, but my my dad was watching it once on a weekend. It's like fifteen years ago, and you know I like came downstairs. It was like a Saturday morning. Came down breakfast, whatever. And I'm like, that looks fucking amazing. It was like Tyler Florence or something like that. And I was like, Mom, you have to literally find this recipe and make it. And it was a lot of work. She only made it one time, but it was phenomenal. Yeah, I I just. That's I okay. So what you've what you've answered for me is that here are some other recipes with pork and apples. But why is is like that's, where did this, do you, I don't think they particular. I mean, it's fine. It tastes good. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of a warm apple unless it's in a hot apple pie. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much where or apple crisp. I think I'm more of an apple crisp guy. Both are but, great, although I prefer apple pie. Um. I don't know. The warm apples in my dinner is weird. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it's a thing. I mean, huh. I the know- acidity of apples helps the digestion of fat meat. But that's a generic thing. It doesn't explain why specifically one would pair it with pork. And considering pork chops are as lean a pork as you're going to get, they're really, actually most pork chops end up coming out rather dry because of their lack of fat. Um, I, there must be something specific to the sweet and savory of those combinations. 
What is the origin of... I'm Googling it now. What is the origin of pork chops and applesauce? In episode number 55 of the Brady Bunch titled The Personality Kid that aired in 1971, the phrase pork chops and applesauce is stated by Peter Brady. That's that's it. No, that's not correct. That's it. That's exactly why. My, my other thought would be, hearkening back to the whole Brady Bunch thing, I have Aaron to imagine... Harkening? <laughs> I opened up my fridge before looking at the beers and saw a splice and said it out loud. <laughs> I have to I have to imagine there is something also to like in the 1950s like the most ultra of white bread Americans when you were eating the plainest, waspiest, least spiciest, spiciest of meals. When you dry the shit out of your pork chops, you need to do something to freshen it up, and you dip it in some applesauce to get some hydration up in that bitch. Okay. And listen, okay. white people, this is not meant to be an attack against you. We're both white, but we're also Italian, so we know what spice in cooking and flavoring is. So <laughs> this is true. Join the 21st century. I, you know what though, I'm not getting a clear cut answer as to why it started. Or I, how. I just gave you a, what feels like a pretty feasible answer. I feel, yeah, but I feel like you pulled that out of your ass, like straight up, like within this minute. No, I just know that I've eaten dry pork chops, and so the, the applesauce was a blessing in that. Here's a question. I, too, have eaten dried pork chops. That's not the question. The question is, why, why, on so many occasions, have I had a dry pork chop when I just threw this dinner together without uh, just following a quick recipe and just threw them on the pan for, like, I don't know, eight minutes, and they were the juiciest pork chops I've ever eaten. Because if you pan fry or sear pork chops, it's going to stay yeah. better hydrated than baking yeah. it. Well, okay, so why are we baking them? Because it's more convenient and easy. Is it? I didn't yeah. really do anything. I put them on the pan. Well, you surely flipped them. You're right. Is that where you <laughs> do the line? <laughs> I also scored the fat so they didn't curl and make pork cups. I'm not a big fan of the pork cup. You don't like scooped pork chops? I don't like scoop chops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Al, what are we drinking? <laughs> um, well, it depends. <laughs> you might be drinking ice cold Z4, or you might be drinking extremely warm um, industrial arts impact wrench. Or if you're hopefully like Anthony drinking ice cold industrial arts impact wrench, which is what it is that we will be drinking. Henceforth. I feel like it's not as cold as it should be, considering it's been in the fridge for God knows how long. Well, certainly there's got to be a point of diminishing returns where it doesn't continue to get colder. It, gets, it actually heats up. <laughs> well, it's, it's too near the coil, maybe? I don't know. Nah, it's, it's possible. Um, so, Industrial Arts Impact Wrench. It's a hazy triple India Pale Ale with notes of <laughs> dank and dense jungle. No! Those are not flavors. <laughs> it's 10%, it's, no, it didn't say flavors. It said notes of. Sorry. It can, it can smell like dank and dense jungle. Are you saying dank and dense or dank condensed? The, the former. Oh, okay. Ten <laughs> percent alcohol by volume. It's one pint, which we love. And Comes in um, pints. For more info, go to industrialartsbrewing.com. Al. Al. What? Packaged on. This one was not old when I bought it. <laughs> this one packaged, packaged on April twelfth, two thousand and twenty-one. <laughs> You remember that, like, four-month hiatus we took for your baby? <laughs> so, I bought this in, like, July. four-month hiatus happened in, like... Okay, okay. You bought it... In, but still, you bought it in... You bought it late? You bought it after... Well after it was packaged. Well, would you want me to buy it on 413? It did. 
I do. I want, I want it straight from the source. My point is I bought it in July. I straight didn't from the wrench's mouth. <laughs> I didn't see you until September. That's and then fair. we didn't start recording again until December. All right. All right. I'm going to let this one slide. Also, we had a three-week hiatus just this past three but, weeks. But, okay, but we've also Which had... Which I'm not blaming on you. I'm, I said Way we, more recent beers. We should probably start going... Actually, you know what? Maybe we should drink the most recent ones now while they're fresh. Last in, first out? I think so. Well, I tried to, but you said none of them were in your fridge. <laughs> they, well, now now some of them are. We're going to go We're gonna go lifo on these bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere an accountant is furious at his desk. <laughs> just, just everyone, somebody, everybody no! listening, just stop. Just no, stop. you're not allowed to mix lifo with fifo. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> oh man, this looks really nice though. Uh, is it a hazy triple India pale? I can't. It tell. is a colored frosted mug. So definitely hazy AF. I have. It, um, I can tell it's hazy. Man, does it smell like jungle? Is... It does there, smell like a condensed jungle. <laughs> are, there bits, are there bits of real jungle floating in there? <laughs> yes. 10%. Get down. All right. Cheers, sir. I have no glass, sorry. I realize you already took a sip and it's fine. Hey, I was right. It is basically lukewarm now. Oh, hell yeah. This is, this is, oh. like, this is like how it would be served at a British pub. This is probably 50 degrees. This is wonderful. Speaking of 50 degrees, it's pretty damn good. Industrial Arts makes some great beer. This is like the second or third that we've done on the show. Yeah, we've done a, a, a number of wrenches. What do you use an impact wrench for? Is that like <laughs> a... wrenches. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> is that a... What's I actually you use on the tire. That's a torque wrench. Right? Is it? I I'm actually so. not 100% I sure. Know. I've always wondered by the, about the impact wrench, too. Let's find out. I think I used an impact wrench... To drive a giant bolt into <laughs> into a beam to hang a TV. All I'm getting is advertisement for them. For impact wrenches? Yes. Why impact wrench? There we go. That's how that's it's I think a, that's how I'm gonna go about it. It's a socket wrench. It's from Wikipedia. An impact wrench, also known as an impactor, an impact gun, an air wrench, air gun, rattle gun, torque gun, or windy gun is a socket wrench power tool designed to deliver high torque output with minimal exertion by the user by storing energy in a rotating mass and delivering it suddenly to the output shaft. Suddenly. I like the idea that the impact wrench takes this bolt by surprise. I gotcha! (laughs) (laughs) Twist! Uh, Oh, I see. We have a big old bolt that doesn't want to get in here. Don't worry about it. We're going to do this on three. One, two! The bolt's like, oh shit, I didn't get the brace yet. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh man, the doctor did that to me today during a biopsy. <laughs> I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> she did do a one, two, and before she said three, she's like, we're done. <laughs> Is everything all right? What are we going to do? Oh yeah, I, I went uh, did the old, uh, did the old get, get, a, get a screening from a dermatologist. Okay. And uh, she's like. You ever notice that mole? And I went, yep. no. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to take a piece of that. <laughs> so you got the babopsy? I got the babopsy. <laughs> but she was like, do you feel that? I was like, what? She goes, perfect. <laughs> oh. So it was good. It was a, it was a right. good, uh, I've heard sometimes good. those those samplings can be dreadful, and I've heard sometimes you didn't even realize it happened, which is yeah. what I will say, so. before, I was like, ah, my chest is itchy, and I went to scratch it, and I was like, nope. Nope, that's a band-aid over over a piece of me that was removed earlier today. (laughs) 
and now it hurts. But uh, this impact wrench, I'm going, ooh, I'm going Trace Stuckles. What do you think would be more catching you by surprise more? This impact wrench, an impact wrench, or me screaming Oklahoma while banging pots and pans? <laughs> um, I think an impact wrench. Okay, fair enough. Specifically because it's designed to take you by surprise. It's Whereas I, uh, I, 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 as fun as it is, I do expect chaos from you. I was going to say, I, I too am designed for, for getting <laughs> you by surprise and chaos. <laughs> but uh, this this didn't take me by surprise at all on account of their beers are really good. Yes, it's, it's glad that, I'm glad that this uh, maintained the banner and upheld it. Fantastic yeah. beer. I will, I will concur on three thuckles. There's a there's a green one. Honest to God, wait, really like. no, you know what? Four thuckles. I'm doing it. Oh shit! I'm gonna do it. We don't do it very often. I'm gonna do it. Four thuckles. You're going four thuckles. Yes, it's the it's the mythical fourth thuckle. Respect. Respect. This is damn good. It's a damn good beer. <laughs> that just reminded me of that scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he walks away from the bar off to find the mythical glitter. <laughs> I was in, in a similar vein. I was actually going with the Family Guy, the mythical fourth hole. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Okay, four tuckles. Good, good on you. Good on you. I'm. I would probably go for it. I don't usually care for beers that are such high alcohol content. Like but I can taste, taste a little it, bit though. of the booziness. Oh, I can I, taste see, it. I didn't it's not it. strong, which is surprising considering mine is significantly warmer than yours. I know it's there though. You know. It reminds me of like a time where I got messed up because the beer was too high. Golden Monkey? That's probably what it is. No, um, Three Philosophers, actually. Oh, okay. That'll but, do uh, it too. That'll, that'll. So, so, this, so this impact wrench then firmly mm. third least surprising of all of the surprises. Because you know it's there. You know it's coming for you. Yeah. Interesting. This alcohol will yeah. not catch you by surprise. It was, it's not. I know it's there. <laughs> I, I see you. It's like I one of those... God- Damn it! What is why? What I have one job during the show, and that is to keep track of when we transition segments. And I somehow forgot the first segment. <laughs> uh, to be fair, though, it is the easiest one for you to figure uh, out afterwards. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, at least we got the start time. So it's some time, some time between seven what? and twenty-two <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Anthony, you sound rusty. Let's transition to news, 14. notes, nuggets, etc., so on. Sounds good. Oh, before we do that, <laughs> the other day, I was talking to a buddy of mine at work, and uh, we were mid-conversation about, oh, we were discussing subscription services and how much, how, you know, and I was I was letting him know like how you feel about it and like the, uh, the subscription bubble that you referenced. And uh, he goes, that reminds me, I need to cancel my underwear subscription. And he goes, I sh- really wish that was a joke. <laughs> And all I just, I couldn't, I, yeah, I just couldn't help it. Just thinking about like, you know, your Disney plus eight bucks, your HBO max 16, your undies, I don't know, 25. What is, what is an underwear subscription? How this much is, does that cost you? I don't know. This is like the reverse of, I know I haven't listened in, in like a probably a month, but I know on a fairly recent um, armchair Dax was, you know, they always, they've had me undies as one of their like major like, yep. sponsors for a while. Mm. And he was talking about how he wanted he loved MeUndies so much that he just wants like new pairs all the time, and he wanted to create a secondary market in which he could then resell lightly used underwear. No, no, 
No. Please, I was like, please do not do any research on that because I'm fairly certain that market exists. I don't. He didn't mean it in the way that like people when people buy like doesn't matter these underwears doesn't matter um, because that is super creepy. You're right. I just don't understand uh, the appeal there. But um, I actually set a calendar reminder for me to cancel my Apple TV Plus free trial mm. that was three months plus one week. Um, it's I still have. You don't remember that. <laughs> it's still getting that caught me it, it by is. surprise more than I, the impact. <laughs> well, that's why I said it because it's still like fascinating to me. The, the joke's on me because inevitably Apple is going to end up buying the the NFL Sunday ticket rights, and I'm just going to end up back on the Apple train. But at least I'll feel sure. like it's been worth the expenditure at that point. Cheapest of the subscription services, and I have enjoyed it. I have not had a chance to sample it in the last couple of weeks because I have so many shows that I am barely keeping my head above water. In fact, you could argue that I've been dragged below the water, but. I really want to get to Severance before this um, mm. this free trial ends. So. More on that when we get to what we're watching. Fantastic. Uh, but of the your subscription services, <laughs> do you find one that you think is just the best subscription? Like a subscription that you will not be canceling? Well, I have point. one that's twofold because A, the quality is so high and B, technically I don't pay for it and it's HBO Max. It is the best streamer. It's not close. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went streaming. My top subscription service Oh, sorry. Is... I thought that's what we were talking about. No, it, it, my toothbrush. It's it, I, the quip. The, the the five bucks that like comes out every cup, however long it is, and I get a, another toothbrush head and a battery to replace it. It's great. It's always, it's always high-functioning. My toothbrush is fantastic. I love it. I love. I know. You know, we're not sponsored by anything, but I would, I would advertise Quip. Quip, come, <laughs> Quip, come get these downloads. Come get these listens. No. <clears throat> we 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 will uh, we will shill for you. We will. The way that you said that, I thought you were doing a pun, and now I'm realizing that you didn't mean it that way. No, <laughs> I thought you were saying like, "Quick, come get these downloads." <laughs> but I was like, "That's pretty good. I like that. <clears throat> I like that." Three trace knuckles. All right, news and nuggets. Did yes. we start this already? No, not yet. I put a timestamp down for it. Well, <laughs> I call, I called for the ball, and you didn't pass. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm going to leave the OG timestamp in because people need to know about this. All right, they need to, they need news to and nuggets. And your I'm gonna. I, <laughs> I'll give you you another. Tw- so I feel like having an underwear subscription is a very 2022 sentence, right? Yes. Do you know what I did earlier today? What I charged my coffee mug. On to news and nuggets. <laughs> That's like it's, 2017. I, uh, it's great, though. I have one of those Ember mugs. It is fantastic to always have hot coffee. I have a Yeti tumbler, and I, too, also always have No, 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 no. Because nope. that has NASA insulation. No, listen. That coffee temperature is going to fluctuate. No. It's going to slowly, no. slowly go down. No, I, I pour myself the coffee uh-huh. at 6.45 a.m. Yeah. I leave it. Open while I for the next fifteen minutes while I get myself ready to go to leave for work. I leave. I put the the, the lid on. Leave the lid open. Sure, it's scalding hot. Go to work. Start drinking at eight thirty in the morning. It's been open the whole time with just the slit open. Scold my mouth every single time. Still, listen though. You still have to slit. drink out of that that little that little hole though. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Wait. Yes. I'm drinking out of this nice mug. It's just a mug. It's beautiful. Yes. So that's how you. That's how I drink coffee. Okay, that's fair. And it's no. I, I wasn't comparing the experiences of drinking it. I'm just talking about its ability heat, to retain heat. heat <laughs> <retention>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Rome is boring. 
or so I hear. <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> these news and nuggets are going to be wild because they've been accumulated over the course of the last several weeks <laughs> because we've had to we've had to wave off at the last minute like a desperate plane landing multiple times in the last several weeks. <laughs> so this <laughs> this story is on CBS News. Um, it's I there's an update from May fourth. Today's May 11th. I don't remember what day I grabbed this story. Um, I actually encountered this around the full cast universe. Show is still on hiatus, though. There's rumblings and rumors that it's soon to return. And this is exactly their sort of story. And I'm going to read you the headline now. The people of Rome are being held hostage by wild boar. I'm sorry. Wild boar. What? <laughs> It was 11 p.m. in Rome, and 44-year-old psychotherapist Marta Santangelo was walking down her street, a bag full of trash in one hand, her dog's leash in the other. As she approached the trash cans of the darkened road, she realized she was in danger. She quickly scooped her dog into her arms and took off running, but it was too late. Her attacker leapt from behind, and Santangelo fell to the floor, the latest victim in a series of attacks on the citizens of North Rome. The aggressors? Wild boar. Hang on a second. The way that is described, it sounds to me like it is a person named Wild Boar. <laughs> in Santangelo's case, it was a large sow with a litter of seven piglets in tow. Oh my god! What in the world? Although the wild hogs... This sounds like an Edgar Wright movie. <laughs> Although the wild hogs don't normally attack people. Wild hogs. Yes. They can pose a danger to humans and pets if they sense danger to their young or their food sources. The animal was on top of my head, Santangelo told Italian daily La Repubblica. If my dog had not defended me, I don't know what would have happened. Santangelo was lucky. A motorist who witnessed the attack drove her to a hospital where she was treated for minor injuries. But Romans have been rattled by the increasingly common and increasingly brazen encounters with the animals and angered the local government for not stemming the boar incursions. Okay, Italian- so this story took me by impact wrench levels of surprise <laughs> that I forgot... <laughs> I forgot what you had called it. Roman's <laughs> boring, yes. Absolutely a play on words, you're correct. Oh, beautiful. Well, it was it was a play on words of multiple levels too, because there was like Rome is burning is like the name of like the history. Was it Nero who may or sure. may not have set the capital on fire? Also, there was Jim Rome, who recently was in the news for completely random reasons, who was a sports caster who had a show at one point called Rome is Burning. His name is Jim Rome, and so Rome is boring. Felt attend, felt. I I used to have uh just a lifetime ago on like my second computer. <laughs> I had an app, an application for ripping CDs and burning CDs onto new called Nero Burning Rom. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, and uh, I love it. I love it. That that was I that was a very unexpected tale. Yeah, I have a little bit more. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I have a little bit more details here. The Italian capital is home to an estimated 5 to 6,000 wild boar. They live in the city parks, but venture into populated areas at all hours of the day and night. They often move in large groups of searching for food, entering school and hospital grounds, perusing outdoor restaurants, and nonchalantly crossing busy streets and highways. By My the way, goodness. There's all sorts of embedded videos and pictures. In oh, no, I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them right now. This is ridiculous. Also, this reminded me of, do you remember that stupid story from like, I don't know, two years ago, let's call it online, where 
there was <laughs> it was during one of the many debates about gun rights and gun restrictions and all that stuff where like I don't know if he was in Texas or Oklahoma or Arkansas or something like that and some politician or someone said something along the lines of hey we need to curb uh, assault weapons ownership and all that sort of stuff and the, <laughs> this guy replied but what am I supposed to do about the 30 to 40 wild boar that run through my <laughs> my backyard every morning or afternoon they threatened my children who were trying to play outside <laughs> and that became a meme for a long time what about the 30 oh, to 40 wild boar <laughs> oh man okay uh my turn on the news story okay yeah that was all i, I needed to, to do for this no story. no it's it's just it's uh it's more of an appendix to this one, because I searched it, and then I clicked on some of the pictures, and then another article opened up, and it says, fans flock to save Berlin's cheeky wild boar. Hmm. Okay, now right. we're going to do so this live. The, the, Rom- the Romans can sell the- send their boars <laughs> to Germany. <laughs> I'm going to send, I'm going to text you this story, and I need you to just observe the picture in the story. Real quick. Unexpected. You sending it to me on my phone or on the computer? I sent it to you on the phone. Okay. It did not go through. Ah, technology Technology Uh, Well, anyway Was was it intercepted by the boars? It it may have been Uh, Really what it comes down to is Center frame is a boar stealing What looks to be Somebody's bag of things From the Mm -hmm. park In the background, you see a bunch of people Standing there, and in the foreground Slightly off frame But enough that you know what's going on Is a Fully nude man. <laughs> so, he must have been threatened by the board. You are muted? Yes, I am. You are unmuted. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't look like that's ever going to go through, so... It's okay. Never get to see it. But that's anyway. all I needed. I just needed to... There's more entertaining details in that story, but that was the, the crux of it. I just needed to inform you of this Italian national crisis. Nice. That's pretty amazing. I didn't see any wild boar running around Rome when I was there, but now I'm feeling like I missed out. You did. Damn. Star Wars Day happened. Correct. Got that Obi-Wan trailer. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just pumped? I'm so pumped. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have something that's really uniting the Star Wars fan base um, in a way that we haven't seen since, like, early Mandalorian where it was like oh shit Mm. here's something new and exciting and fun obviously everyone has grown to love and enjoy the Mandalorian since then Mm. Book of Boba Fett was a bit mixed bag Um, everyone's been pretty excited by these trailers so far considering there was a lot of skepticism myself included as to what the show was going to be all about sure hearing confirmation that this is a limited series because it should be there doesn't need to be Multiple seasons of this. If you're going to do this, this feels like the right way to attack this project. Let's crush six episodes or whatever it is. That's it. Get in, get out, move on. Everyone have a good time. And it looks gorgeous. Yeah. I I think the first thing, I mean, we had noted this in the past, I think during the teaser, but it's like we joked a little bit about the the Book of Boba Fett budget. And then when you see that, you were like, oh, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty great. Uh, It looks awesome. I definitely got the, the feels were, were moving and grooving with the music and the effects. So I'm really, really excited. Like you said, six episodes is perfect for me too. Like I, yes. I'm not a big serious person, 
I have not dabbled in the limited series much. So I'm, you know, I'm a movie guy. You're a mm-hmm. TV series guy. This yep. is the middle ground. So yes. I'm interested to see how this plays out. Some of the characters, I I recognize like so many faces, but I don't like, I guess I'm, I'm so far, I, you know, back in the day, I like lived and breathed everything Star Wars. Um, and I still obviously love it. Uh, it's, it's very near and dear to my heart, but I, I know that I don't know all of the Star Wars things anymore. But now I'm seeing all of these faces and characters that I'm like, I feel like I know this character, <laughs> but I don't know who it is or why I know the person. Okay. Is there any specific examples of that? Uh, the Inquisitors? Yes. I assume they were Inquisitors. They are. They, they, uh, they all looked familiar to me. So I think that, well, for one, the Grand Inquisitor is a, re- a returning character from the canon, uh, played by a new actor in Star Wars Rebels. The Grand Inquisitor was voiced by Jason Isaac. And in this case, he's being portrayed by Rupert Friend, but same character from that show. The other two Inquisitors that we've seen, though, I believe are <clears throat> heretofore unrevealed. Um, we'll call them siblings because that's what they're all referred to as, like the, the second sister and the third brother, et cetera, and so on. I forget which one these twos are, these two, the names of these two ones are, but I believe that they are ones that we have not actually seen yet in Canada. Okay, and no, none of them were from uh, Fallen Order? No, that was with the, the ninth and the whatever. I forget what numbers they were. Um, and obviously, spoiler for Jedi Fallen Order, one and a half of them died because technically one of them were not 100% sure died, so they more than likely did. The other one for sure died because you don't typically walk away from Darth Vader executing you. Um, and... Uh, some other ones died during the run of Rebels as well. But I think there are at least nine of them, not including the Grand Inquisitor. I think like up, up to the number nine has been named to this point. Okay. And I think we have seen a confirmed five of those nine to this point or something like that. Okay. And so I don't know if this makes it seven of nine or something like that. My math may be slightly askew there, but I don't believe we've ever seen confirmed all nine. Gotcha. Cool. Well, I'm super pumped. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, my favorite, my favorite part of that trailer was that sick burn by Uncle Owen. <laughs> what was it? When um, Obi Wan's telling him like, "Oh, he needs to be trained," and he goes, "Oh, oh yeah, that was father? good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, just like his father." And I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> that was good. That was good." Um, <clears throat> sick burn, <laughs> indeed, like his father. Like his father, uh, yes. <laughs> full circle, guys. Bringing it full circle. Um, Star Wars Day was cool. It was literally a week ago. Um, that was the only thing substantial that came out. There were some other little odds and ends. But I realized in the course of that day, when that trailer came out, I was like, all right, cool. Can't wait to see all this other Star Wars news. Totally forgetting that that's technically not Star Wars Day. It's going to happen like a couple weeks from now. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I feel like an asshole now. But it's going to happen the weekend <laughs> that Obi-Wan releases. I'm sure yep. we'll get more new, cool, fun stuff. Considering they were pretty light on big reveals and stuff last year, I expect we'll have a bigger crop of stuff this year, hopefully. Do you think we'll have some sort of next movie teaser, whatever that movie may be, in whatever... I know it's uh, well, not going to be think, part of the main... I think for sure we're going to get a Ahsoka trailer, because that's the next sure. show, right? 
Or no, sorry, is is casting Nandor. I forget one of those two is the next one. Oh. Well, I Maybe did we'll get see trailers a, for both. I don't know. I saw an image recently of the like um of Rosario Dawson posting her her trailer chair. Okay. So I assume maybe that is probably what we're gonna see. Is that now to your point from like before, like the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, like I like this idea and hope that it's the case that each of these shows fits in and takes its own identity and like kind of mixes with the other characters and becomes like mm-hmm. an anthology type piece versus like all of them going on for extended periods of time. And I, I feel like this is right for that as well, considering they've introduced her in live action form in recent episodes. So I'm kind of curious how that'll play out. Sorry, can you rephrase that again? I got distracted by text. That's the okay. beginning. The beginning part of the, the, the you had like you, the the way that you had kind of uh, phrased like how the like the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett went like almost like this like anthology of stories kind of mixing together versus them all having to go off onto their own like however many season series. Mm. Um, and I'm hoping that this Ahsoka show kind of falls into that flow. I expect. Well if not entire season, portions of this are going to be even more interwoven than the Marvel shows have been. I think that they've got a proof of concept as to how that can kind of sort of work, but I think that they're building this to be even more synergistic than that when you consider mm. what we've seen from Book of Boba Fett already, where uh, the, the, the parent show hijacked the second half yeah. of that season, essentially. And I don't think it'll necessarily be that dramatic, but I think we'll still see some of those elements going forward. Yeah. I do think that there is definitely room for the Ahsoka show to blaze new trails because, and this is something I was talking about the other day with, with uh, my brother and <clears throat> my brother's sister's cousin's former roommate's friend, Brian. And um, <laughs> I, I do think that there's still right opportunity here to fill in that 30 year gap between episodes six and seven and this obviously taking place in the roughly five-ish years after episode six um, is still early in that inception. And I do think that show actually may well seek to leave the Mandalorian stuff behind for a while. I think early on you could possibly see some more overlap there. Sure. But I think it's going to leave that behind for a while as it pursues a new pathway into that corner of the galaxy, which isn't to say that it'll go that way forever, because I imagine that it'll hue back to I guess my hope is that I don't think they're going to do the quote unquote Thrawn Thrawn trilogy which was actually a clue on Star Wars today um uh not sorry a clue on Jeopardy today Uh, the the Thrawn trilogy was it was a a question on or a clue on Jeopardy today it was a sci-fi trilogies but uh I don't know that they're going to do that story writ large I don't know if you can considering the breaks in canon I never read all of them so I I don't Hmm. know but setting up their version of that, which maybe could be the way that you start to now get some movies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, th- yeah, they may, they may be able to, because they do now have, they have a, they have a canon Thrawn trilogy as well as the OG. Oh, do they? Like, I, I know that they've been doing some stuff, but it's like in the past. Cause I saw something online the other day about Thrawn and Anakin meeting during the clone wars. Okay. When obviously so, they were on the same side, right? So I don't know. Actually, now I'm second guessing whether or not it's a trilogy, or it may be more books than that. But I read the first one, and it's really good. And it's like Thrawn's origin. Okay. And so, yeah, really I cool. was just reading something online the other day about Thrawn and Anakin meeting, and then like 
how they then met again during the Imperial stage of the story and how Thrawn is probably one of the very few people who was smart enough to connect the dots as to who Darth Vader actually is. Mm, considering their pre-knowledge and how informed and brilliant that he is as a character yeah all i know is whether it be live action of sorry all i know is whether it be this season or down the line live action they need to keep um what's his name um lars mickelson as thrawn because he did oh yeah job on rebels yeah i think so too either that or do like a great yeah definitely keep him whether it's a voice or full acting um yeah and they do like a full-on cg thing they could do it i one of the thing that I thought was pretty cool reading that first book, I really enjoyed it. It had a couple of slow pockets, but it follows two characters closely, and they're like their paths are starting to converge. Like mm-hmm. as, and then eventually they they end up becoming um, kind of close allies. And I can't remember her name now, but Rebels. The woman that works, that's like, like kind of like his like right hand with like the, the short haircut. I can't, it was like Mir- Miranda, maybe. I don't remember her name. Oh, I don't remember. I, I remember the character you're referencing, but I don't remember the details. And I realized like I, so I was like, I had watched a bunch of Rebels and then I had stopped. And then I read this book and I went back and I finished it and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, this is that character. <laughs> Did we ever talk about you finishing Rebels? I don't think so, but it was amazing. <laughs> it was. I'm glad that you finally <laughs> got around to finishing up. Um, I definitely, I, I full on cried. <laughs> it got me. <laughs> well, so this will get you excited then for the Ahsoka show, especially like the way that the show ended and the, the mm. time jump, and you, knowing what Ahsoka's task is, trying to find Thrawn because that will lead her to Ezra. Yeah, um, that's a really cool thing that whole thing yeah especially spoilers for the end of rebels which ended like what five years ago or something at this point um when you know kanan dies earlier in the season and then having the time jump and seeing um oh what was the name of uh hera hera having the child who's clearly kanan's child and it seems like it's i don't know if it's half human half um Twi'lek, which I didn't know was a thing that could be possible, but <laughs> it was adorable. And it was like, oh man, um, that, that was definitely emotional. Um, I still anticipate we'll see Sabine at some point in the Mandalorian, if not also the Ahsoka yeah. show. And Probably that the Ahsoka well, show. I'm well, I, I anticipate that will be the way that you'll link those two shows early on in the season, maybe, when we know mm-hmm. that Mando is heading back to... Mandal- to Mandalore. We know that Sabine also is trying to reclaim Mandalore and we know that Ahsoka is an uh, important bridge to- between those two characters now in a way that we yeah. haven't seen yet on screen but will inevitably, considering all of them run in the same circles now, um, it would be cool to get an on-screen live-action Sabine and to see how that story continues on as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that show was great. It was a tremendous ending if you remember correctly, or if you remember when I was talking in the, like when that final season was coming up, Amin and Freddie Prince, <laughs> Amin taunting him <laughs> saying, so when does Kaden die? When does Kaden die? Yeah. And there he was, finally did. There is something about like about it. knowing that that character is going to die. Um, it almost like it makes the performance and like the writing of the character so great because like, you know that he's marching towards something and like in watching it, you could almost see the character knows it mm-hmm. like that. He's fully not, not like, almost. I mean, I considering 
his connection to the Force as he re- he reclaimed his yeah his stature as a Jedi and had been willing to do. He's a character who repeatedly sacrificed because mm. it was the only way he felt he could wash the guilt clean from having survived the purge and not doing anything about it at the time. He's kind of almost selfish early on. It's about yeah. her. It's about his crew. It's about him surviving. And then he realized in order to actually purge the guilt that he had within him was to reclaim being a Jedi, even though he knew he didn't have the skills to do it well enough, but to he, he his path almost kind of mirrors a little bit Luke's in episode seven and eight, where Yoda tells him, you know, you have to teach about your failures too. And you have to embrace your failures and to lay down his life for his wife, girlfriend, however you want to phrase it, and his pupil and his crew and the cause and allowed him to, to rejoin the living force and be, you know, what he never had the chance to be, you know, yeah. to be a true Jedi in his final moments. Ah, that was so good. That was so good. Al, what is the deal with Spirit Halloween? <laughs> and why is it on my news and notes? This is going to make you mad. News and nuggets? News and nuggets. I can't even get our segments right today. I'm out I'm out of control. It's okay. Like I said, we're a little rusty. Um, so <laughs> this is on variety. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Spirit Halloween store film in the works starring Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah, I know about this, weirdly. I don't know when I read it. But I was like, I remember reading that going, what? No. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm not even looking further into this. But now that I have you. So I did the same thing. And then I said, no, I need to do this because this will for sure antagonize Anthony. Mm. (laughs) With toy related films all the rage. Just look at the Play-Doh movie from Emily V. Gordon and John M. Chu. Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie and Paramount's Transformers franchise. Halloween (laughs) film fans have been left underserved. Until now. Spirit Halloween, the iconic costume and prop store with 1,400 locations across North America, has has teamed with Strike Back Studios, Hideout Pictures, and Particular Crowd for a feature-length family movie called, you guessed it, Spirit Halloween. Build is a family-slash-kids adventure movie. The project stars Back to the Future's Christopher Lloyd, and She's All That star Rachel Lee Cook, as well as some new faces. She's all that stuff. What a. <laughs> surely she's done something <laughs> since she's all that with Freddie Prince Jr. Was back in the day. Freddie Great movie, Prince. by the way. <laughs> I, I never actually saw that one, um, but I was not expecting two Freddie Prince Jr. references in this episode. Let you weren't expecting to get Krugered by Freddie Prince Jr.? <laughs> no, and especially not five minutes apart twice. Yeah, that's um, fair. When, when a new Spirit Halloween store appears in a deserted strip mall, three middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a dare to spend the night locked inside the, ho- the store Halloween night. But they soon find out that the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has possessed the creepy animatronic characters. The kids embark on a thrilling and spooky adventure in order to survive the night and avoid becoming possessed themselves. So I'm like really pumped about this because I love, I love these like family-friendly Halloween movies. I I just find them so entertaining, and I'm all for it. So I will I will absolutely be watching this one. Really? Okay. I thought you were going also to vehemently also post. Christopher Lloyd's in it. That's true. I thought you were going to be Pro- Professor Plum himself. 
No, no, this this seems like it would uh, it might end up in the Halloween playlist rotation. Really? Okay. We'll see. We'll see. So, I don't know. It's um, just it just got that. There's something about those style movies where they're like they're cheesy. They're funny enough. They're like kind of heartfelt. They have like they're like fun spooky. They're not like scary scary. They're like fun spooky, and I yeah. I just love that. Like a like a Goosebumps movie. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I love uh, I love Hocus Pocus. You love Hocus Pocus. Oh yeah, big time. That's about it for me. That's the long and the short of it, as far as those Halloween movies goes. What about there was like a um, there was like a whole like, but there's a whole bunch of them on like Disney back in the day. Correct. And I just remember ha- eating them up. Halloween Town. Halloween Town. There was one with a mummy. Do you remember that one? Yes. Mummy. Is that like my favorite? What is it? Movie? What is it? Under wraps. Under wraps. Yes. <laughs> What is my obsession with mummy movies? <laughs> it's a great question. I definitely saw Under Wraps. I did enjoy that as a kid. Yeah, yeah. So, looking there forward was another, to uh, watching those again with the little guy. I think there was another another one as well that came out around the same time, where like they had a string of them in those years, but I don't remember what it was called now. When's that Hocus Pocus sequel coming out? I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything about that in a while. So we can pull that up real quick this, while you move on to the next story. I say this is due to be out this year for uh, October for Halloween. Also, um, before we get to the next story, I just remind yeah. me of talking about haunted animatronics. I was thinking about other animatronics that may or may not be haunted, such as Anthony shaking his head because he knows where I'm going here. Um, Anthony's birthday was the other day, so happy <laughs> birthday to you again. Because uh, I texted you for it the other day, and I, I, I wished that for your birthday... Antioch's blessings would be shared upon you. <laughs> <laughs> you sick bastard. <laughs> what story do you want from me next? Um, I want to know about the DC overhaul. Okay. Are they still pinning? They're still pinning the entire end of the franchise on Ezra Miller, right? Like, just to be clear, we're still going to do that. That <laughs> well, that's not what this that's not what this story is about exactly, at least not yeah. that I recall. This was from like a month ago. But um uh, he was arrested that they were arrested again like a week or so after that. I don't remember if we talked about that or not, or if that was the last recording we did. Um That might have been a I don't know. I'm not and sure. And also though, from what I was seeing about something totally separate where there was I forget who it was now, but some actor had been cast in one of these DC movies and people were speculating that they were replacing Ezra Miller on the on the uh, the Flash movie, and I saw one of the the, the big like Hollywood writers just like the the film wrapped like five months ago. Like it's not the movie is happening as is. That person may or may not end up being down the line of replacement, but like that ain't happening. This movie is done. <laughs> like like filming and production has finished. It's just it's in post now. Um, Ezra Miller, Ezra from Rebels, better than Ezra. I word associated all over the mustache. <laughs> Better than Ezra. <laughs> What's better than Ezra? That's a great question. All right, so you're, you're Brothers, assuming the Flash is coming out. Yeah, it's coming out at some point. Yeah, um, I'm not convinced. They've put so much money into it, and I know that's a sunk cost fallacy, but like, yeah, they should stop though. So, well, here you go. Warner Brothers Discovery exploring overhaul of DC Entertainment. <laughs> yeah, when they when. When Discovery took over, somebody walked through and was like, what the fuck are you doing? You have this incredible set of characters that you're just, you just stop it. <laughs> well, I mean, stop you're not it. totally wrong based on what I recall from this article. The new owners of all things Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman 
notice that they didn't mention the Flash in there, are exploring an overhaul of DC. Oh, is this going to be like a some other, somebody else owns the Flash, so we have to do some sort of weird crossover and get the universes coexisting again? No, I just meant more that they don't want to highlight it at the moment. No, um, it's been less than a week since Discovery, clo- this was again from like a month ago, closed its mm-hmm. $43 billion deal for Warner Media, joining one of the largest producers of reality programming with one of the most venerable entertainment brands under the new moniker of Warner Brothers Discovery. David Zaslav, the CEO of the combined companies, top leadership, have been toying with the idea of turning DC into a top own... men. <laughs> <laughs> the Sorry. idea of turning DC into its own solidified content vertical, the source, sources said. The move would potentially affect DC filter f- feature film development in the Warner Brothers Picture Group, streaming series at Warner Brothers Television, the creative arm within DC proper, all in an effort to have the disparate elements more closely aligned in order, by, in order to maximize the value of the superhero stable, one often seen as punching up against Marvel. So it sounds like, oh, they're only doing the thing I've been saying they should do for like five years. <laughs> Before the merger closed, Zaslav vetted candidates with experience in creating and nurturing blockbuster intellectual property with the goal of potentially finding someone to serve as a creative and strategic czar similar to what Marvel has in Kevin Feige. Oh, they would have been saying for like five years. One of those candidates includes Emma Watts, a former top film executive at 20th Century Studios at Paramount, but it does not appear that Watts will take the job. One insider suggested that Zaslav has less interest, was less interested in finding a creative guru and more eager to hire someone who had the type of business background needed to keep all the different factions at DC working more harmoniously. Insiders say that Zaslav believes that the success of the merger, one that has left the company highly leveraged, will rest in no small part unlocking the full potential of the DC Comics universe of characters. Discovery Insiders believe that although DC has achieved cinematic success with recent films such as Aquaman and Batman, it lacks a coherent, creative, and brand strategy. Yeah, together it's not good. Yes. Discovery believes that several top-shelf characters such as Superman have been left to languish and need to be revitalized. They also believe that projects like Todd Phillips' Joker are a shining example of how second-build characters from the DC library can and should be exploited. Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn is another example. Okay. Um, but no, (laughs) those things were the best you could do in the mess that they've made. Yes. That is not the best it can be. No. So it's already a bad angle. Yes. And that concerns me. Well, the point is, do they go blank slate or is there a way to write the ship? No, no, you go blank slate. You have to, at this point. You've jacked it up so much that you go blank slate, or you start it with the Batman. Well, here's some more on that whole uh, reasoning. DC has started to figure out ways for its big screen films to inspire more streaming content. Recent examples include the HBO Max show Peacemaker, which is a spinoff of The Suicide Squad, as well as an upcoming planned series on Colin Farrell's the Penguin and Gotham City's police force. But the company believes that DC must do more to grow its approach to comic book fare, including bolstering gaming. Under Walter Hamada, who took over DC films from John Berg and Jeff Johns in 2018, the unit has achieved more consistency in terms of both the critical and commercial reception to the company's movies. He is under contract until the end of 2023 and could play an important role in whatever Zaslav has planned. I think they need to, like, DC has, they've gone, they've done, like, darker tones and things like that, but they never go full dark and in like the movies. They should uh, do it. The Batman came pretty close to that. The Batman's close, but it didn't 
Even that was PG-13 in theaters. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm thinking you go, if you want want to stand apart from Marvel, I think they should make these properties for adults. That, to me, though, that would be... That would be trying to write the ship, not going blank slate. Because they've already been beating their head against that wall for the past well, decade. Well, I would say blank-ish slate in that I think what they've established with Matt Reeves' Batman is is very strong. It would not It would be blank slating the continuity, but it would not be blank slating the approach. Sure. Sure. The, well, I don't know. The old, the other stuff that they've done is like dipping its toe in the darkness. I mean, the Snyder stuff. It's that stuff. That's what I'm talking about. That's not, that's dark-ish. Dark adjacent? It's dark adjacent. It's gray. It's, <laughs> it's also, it's just bad. I'm sorry. That all the whole Zack Snyder, like, they need to complete, they need to, obviously, like we've been saying it for a while, they, they just stop. Stop. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I don't know people that like that. I mean, they exist. That's how they, we know the, that's how the Snyder Cut existed. Even that stuff, like from from the folks that I've heard that they like they enjoy pieces of it. But even so, they like recognize from the, at least from the ones that I've talked to, they recognize that it's not well, great. I'm just saying, I don't even know if it's the vocal minority. It seems to be the vocal majority, even if it's only a 51 percent majority, because they reinvested in that property to. I don't to know. Re-release the release the Snyder Cut to bot. <laughs> that may have been how it started, but it ain't how it ended. Yeah, that's true. Um, and and then it came out, and it's like still bad. Yeah. And now six hours of bad, <laughs> which just remember that Oscars thing, biggest fan cheer moment. No, no, it was absolutely <laughs> not that. It was one hundred percent Avengers Assemble. <laughs> And how mad has uh, Warner got to be, considering the, the moment highlighted specifically was Ezra Miller's Flash. And then yeah. they immediately may or may not be trying to get out of the Ezra Miller business. Oh my gosh. Uh, just move on. Like, the, the, um, the CW Flash and Arrow shows are just above and beyond the Snyder Universe movies. They're so like they're so good compared to that trash. <laughs> Which is funny because I always thought it was too soap opera. It absolutely is, but somehow it manages to capture in its soap opera ness. It, it captures like the comic book vibe in a different way. Like not like yes, it's camp. It's super campy, which is one piece of it, and that actually ends up working in its favor. It's still very hard. Like the Flash show. Is I love it. It is so heartfelt. Like, it, yes, it's repetitive. Yes, there's a formula. Whatever. It's still. It's very enjoyable. Like, it's obviously it's kind of run its course. However many seasons we're in now, to the point where like I I I fall off for a while and then I go back and watch like ten episodes and then I fall off again and then I watch more. But like, that's fair. It needs to end. But like, uh, it's I don't know, man. That stuff is at least I feel like they do some cool things. They introduce characters. They make they do like great connections between other shows and bring in characters and do crossovers in a really fun way. That like it no like I feel like it knows that it's cheesy mm-hmm. and it leans into it. Whereas, well, there's definitely something to be said for leaning into that. 
the other like the Snyder stuff, like it takes itself so seriously that like like we're doing something amazing, and it's like no, you're not. Like it's not you. You fumbled, and it's like it's like it's like Drax without the laugh track. You know, nothing can get over my head. I'd catch it. Yeah, but but it like actually believes that. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. It is just I I hope they do something good with the like these incredible properties that they have. Um, because they're squandering it right now. It's- yeah, and honestly, like as much as you're going to be taking it on the chin, like blank slating it is the only way they're ever going to get it right. Because yep. the more you try and rationalize and explain and and guide and, and reshape those things, it's going to cost so much more than it's worth. Yeah. Even if you do end up getting something decent out of it, it's not sustainable that way. But even so, like there's a whole bunch of movies that are still connected to that that are slated. Five, right? Aren't there like five movies? Well, at the end of it, for sure, they said the Shazam, Black Adam, Flash, Wonder Woman 3, Aquaman 2. So yeah, I guess that's five. Like, how in the world do you greenlight a Wonder Woman 3 after that last one? That would really make sense, because the first one was one of the only ones that you could like say is on the good side of the equation. Yeah. The second one was bad. Same director. Real bad. I don't understand what what happened there, because it sounded like... They were taking the shackles off of was it Patty Jenkins, right? Who, yeah, did that one? It seemed like they kind of maybe had shackled her too close to the Snyder stuff early on in the first one, and then they let her do more on the second one, and yet that felt less coherent and more studio interfering than the first one did. So, yeah. I mean, people some, lie some, all the time, you know. They, the they watched the second one. They were like, "That was bad," but it could be better. <laughs> he was the only <laughs> part of the movie. <laughs> He was the only good part of the oh, movie. Oh, man. That movie, like, I'm not one for nitpicking little pieces of a movie. I don't care about that. I don't care about little mistakes here and there, like continuity things, whatever. If they really break immersion, it's one thing. But, like, that movie, for some reason, every little thing felt so easy to pick apart. Well, it was the same thing you said when we did the Ringer 42 questions about Morbius, where it's like, when a movie is so bad that the things you normally would overlook, now you have to you reevaluate and actually put under a microscope. Like, no, 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 yeah. this is so bad. We're going to pick through every atom of this. Yeah. Every black atom. <laughs> <laughs> no, every the atom. Isn't that every- one of those? Isn't the atom? One of oh, those yeah. Characters? They don't even have original names. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> they have two characters called Adam. <laughs> Well, one of them is like atomic, and the other one is like Eve, you know. Oh, is it Adam? I believe so. Yes. Oh. I believe Black Adam is like Garden of Eden. Adam. Oh. The Adam okay. is like atomic. Who? Yeah, you're okay. I see it now. A D A. Um, you know what's great about uh, is the the Adam in the CW show is played by the guy that played Superman in like the fourth Superman movie. Is it really? Yeah. Who is that? Who's the actor? And they make and they make uh they make some jokes about like different things. Like they somehow nod to it here and there. Um Who's I'm the pull actor? it up real quick. Superman returns? Brandon no, Ralph? Su- Ralph? Ralph? Oh, that's not the fourth one. Superman four is the quest for peace. Oh, sorry. Superman oh, so, 5. Brandon Routh, yeah. Yeah, I saw Superman 5. <laughs> what is that one called? Return of Superman? Superman Returns? Yeah. I saw Superman Returns and A Scanner Darkly in the same night. It wow. was a It was a weird evening. 
Yeah, I, I imagine so. Never saw Neither either of one. those movies was very good. <laughs> I never saw either one, although I've kind of always been curious about a scanner darkly. More on that later. Really? <laughs> huh. I, stand by, I stand by what I said. All right. Avatar is a way of water. Correct. So, speaking of, way, speaking of the way of water, I really have to piss. But let's continue <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, we finally got a teaser. Yes. Let's call it a teaser. For... It came out exclusively with the Doctor Strange debut and then was eventually released online after that went on for a few days. What did you think? There was a lot of shots of people's faces. Yeah, there was. I I also clocked that. <laughs> they clock they they cut so many times to so many different characters, and yet also cut so many times back to the same group of characters. I noticed that there's between that. I was like, okay, noticing. Okay, maybe that's what we're doing. Technolo- technology wise, is like we're trying to point out that these are. I'm sure that's part CG of CG yes. faces. That's probably probably it. yes. I agree. Like big big thing. If you get that right, because. Um, as close as it's gotten over the years, it's still not good. Like, it, not good is is wrong. It's still, it's still noticeable that it's not a face. Yeah, I mean, I will say honestly, even though it came out what two thousand nine, the the first one has done some of the best of that ever. Which yeah. is a tip of the cap to Cameron, considering how much they invest in all of this. I mean. I would say they've done, there's been a handful of movies and shows that have done a good job, or video games even, that have done a good job. There's been many that don't do a good job. Um, I would say, like, Thanos is a pretty good one, right? Like, that looks kind of like Josh Brolin if you turned him into Grimace. Yeah, yeah, it's good mapping. Um, even that, it's, there's, like the a face text, is expressive. there's a texture issue. Mainly in his chin, but it, the face is expressive and it looks like Josh Brolin-ish. Yeah. I, I will just say, like, from a teaser of the movie, I was expecting something that makes me go, oh, shit. It's and just a teaser. They didn't show you fuck all. I know, but, like, I mean, graphically, because that's, like, I feel like that's the hallmark now for yeah. an Avatar movie, right? Like, I mean, granted, sure. it's only the second one, but, like, they invented cameras to shoot the first one. Like, <laughs> I wish you had just ended that sentence <laughs> they invented cameras. <laughs> they invented cameras. <laughs> but, like, I didn't see anything in that teaser that's going to make me shit myself with my mouth open. Ew. Um, um, I sorry. Do you, I, you you do know where that phrase comes from, right? No. All right, I'm gonna pull this up real quick. So, with all that in mind, this is what Cameron has to say about the upcoming Avatar sequels via Empire. They're gonna be bitching. You will shit yourself with your mouth wide open. Wow, fantastic! <laughs> that's not from The Onion. No, that's uh, that's actually from a long time ago. That's from 2014. Ah, okay. But. I mean, listen, it still looks great, and I just watched it on my phone. I would like to, to double back and watch it again on my on a 4K television. But so, like. okay, uh, while I love watching things in large format, your phone screen is incredible quality. Sure. So if, you, if you're close to it, it's, it's, fu- it's a fine place to watch it. I'd, sure, I'm, I'm just saying I, I would like the benefit of watching it on that. Uh, uh, my point was I have no gripes. I thought it, I thought it looked great. I thought it looked, I, I'm not saying it's shit my mouth open or whatever, but um, I, I thought it looked great on my it, phone. It made me want to rewatch the first one because I was like, yes, this looks how I remember the first one. No, Surely I, I it's better. better. I, thought, I thought it looked better, yeah. Well, I haven't watched it in so long that this is how I remember it. It's like I that. caught a bit of it like sometime last year. It, I mean, it 
it, it doesn't look as good as when you're on the line in Pandora for that for that ride in Disney, which is just <laughs> absolutely batshit crazy. It's now that ride will make you shit with your mouth open. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been to Disney, so I, I haven't been on the. Oh ride man, I've heard you, great things. If like I would drop a few thousand just to go for like a Saturday and ride that ride once. That's how good it was. Wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, it knocked my socks off. I've never, I've never seen Kim so happy. Like she, she's like, this is a bit, like she was like, wow. <laughs> Even like living, that was great too. Oh man, it was a, uh, it's quite the experience. Okay. Sorry, if I were to go, I would go there, and then I would go to Hogwarts, and then I would come home. Okay, fair. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, like this, there was nothing substantial here. Like we saw. No, I have no idea what's going to happen. What it's about? A lot of a lot no of faces. Is pe- people swimming. Mm-hmm. Um. They did show a whale with one of those tail with one of those um Yeah, the uh tentacle Yeah. Ten- what there's that a thing? word what for is that? that? There was a word for the, the bond. Remember she's the the bond, Jake, the bond. Uh Avatar Bond? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Mating? Avatar nope. mating wiki? Nope. Salu? That sounds closer to right, yes. How do you do T S? Tse? Do you do or just Depends. is it is it a Russian czar or T S A H E Y L U? I never Sailu realized that. Navi word meaning bond. Oh, it was Sahelu, wasn't it? Yeah, Sahelu. I I never saw how it was spelled, but yeah, that, Sahelu. That was okay, that works. I need to rewatch that movie. Man, that the is, old one did it? look good. Yeah, it did. Yeah, not much advancement there. Then are they doing three D for this one? I kind of hope. I hope not. I, just... I have no idea. I, probably, but I have no idea. That was, well, I, I mean... Actually, I do remember them making a big deal several weeks ago, a month ago, something like that, about the fact that this movie might be released in the most different types of formats ever or something like that. Interesting. Between like IMAX and 3D and 2D and whatever the fuck. So. 4D. No, I hate it's those 4D so, things. It's when the seats move, right? You get sprayed mm-hmm. with water. Yeah, I always get nauseous during those. You get sprayed with water when they mate with their hair. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, they definitely played it pretty close to the vest. I'm sure we're going to see some cool shit. Yeah, that's that's, that's true. I mean, there's there's got to be something. Now, is it, it going to justify an additional three s- sequels? Probably not, but we'll yeah, see some right. cool shit. I remember, um, it's so funny, because like, I am curious, like, is there any th- sort of big technological leap that was required to make the film? Because... When I was in college, one of my classes was a computer graphics class, and it was like it was basically the fundamentals of how like the graphics get on the screen, right? Mm-hmm. And the professor was awesome, and he was really cool, and he was talking about how his son was working on some tech for a Cameron movie, which ended up they had I forget he I had mentioned what the code name of it was, what those what that ended up being was the cameras that they used to shoot the three D um, takes of the movie. So like okay. that. I thought that was pretty cool, like that, like that's like just the idea that like the whole like developing the tech alongside with the vision of what you want it to be is so awesome. Yeah, and I just would love to know if there's something along those lines going on here too, and and if so, I'm sure what we'll, is that? What is that? I'm sure we'll hear a ton about it the next six. Months. I'm, I'm sure we won't stop hearing about it soon. <laughs> <laughs> but cool, uh, Dolly Parton ate Taco Bell. Um, not exactly. No, Dolly Parton is a Taco Bell. No, also Dolly Parton not that. owns Taco Bell. Probably not that. Although closer, she's <laughs> closer. 
<laughs> so here's a headline from CNN. Dolly Parton and Doja Cat will star in a TikTok musical about Taco Bell's Mexican pizza. What? What? I hate everything about that sentence. <laughs> oh. Well, more on that in a second. In, in an extremely I twenty, I don't need no, more. No, in, in an extremely twenty twenty two move, <laughs> Dolly yeah. Parton and Doja Cat will star in a TikTok musical for Taco Bell themed around what else? The chains dearly miss Mexican pizza. That sentence could have been generated by AI that was fed a list of buzzwords, but not Mexican pizza. The musical is real. A fast food ode to the Taco Bell menu item that will return to stores this month and will air live on TikTok on May 26th. Dude. Well, first off, that's just... I'm, I, you know what? I'm moving right past that. Considering AI-generated scripts, that thing that I sent you, of the Olive yeah, Garden talking, commercial... Talking about the other day, yep. Oh! What a treat that was. <laughs> I'm on to something there, right? Where I said that clearly that AI also read... Yeah. <laughs> Orwell's 1984 because it was dystopic as fuck. <laughs> That's actually like the name of the AI is Orwell. <laughs> <laughs> but um oh, what was there was one line in there that oh <laughs> Wages brings unlimited stick. We see the unlimited stick. It is infinite. It is all. <laughs> that was that was when I first started. I was like, yo, this is some of that fucking weird, like <laughs> like the way that Orwell talks about like so the the way that like the government, like how Big Brother was like, you know, deployed some of these things and the, the ways that people had to react and respond to the things in order to stay in line and not get black bagged and all that shit. So for those listening, I sent out, uh, my sister sent me this thing on Instagram. I'm, I'm going to read it. We're going to read re- it. I have it right here. It's a repost okay. of a repost. And it says, I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Olive Garden commercials and then asked <laughs> it to write an Olive Garden commercial of its own. Wait, can, we stop? The first can we stop for a second though? Forced the bot is my no. no. <laughs> That's actually like fifth in line of the things I have a problem with in this. Can you believe that there exists at least one thousand hours worth of Olive Garden commercials <laughs> to be viewed by a bot? I mean, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious if it's that there's that many, or you kind of watch m- many of them in varying orders to start to so that it can connect dots between. Shouldn't it need only one reading of each of them? Not necessarily, cadence. I mean, because most and... of them are like sixty. Most of them are like sixty seconds long. Yeah, so most commercials are sixty seconds long. Yeah, I I assume that it's it's as many as there are multiple times in different orders to try to get it to to generate some sort of network. But <laughs> Olive Garden commercial. This is literally written as a script, which is just yes. wonderful. Like I always uh, love when they do these. Like oh, this, yes. What is the uh, what's that tool called? Um, I have no idea. I don't like first draft or something. Anyway, interior Olive Garden restaurant. A group of friends, all caps, laughs at a diner table. A waitress comes to deliver what could be considered food. Waiter, <laughs> waitress. What what a great so hang on a second. What a great bird of Olive Garden there. Unintentional. By an AI, or maybe yeah. intentional by an AI. I, I think every one of these lines is going to have something like that in it. For example, waitress, pasta nachos for you. We see the pasta nachos. They're warm and defeated. Friend one, the menu is here. Waitress, lasagna wings with extra Italy. We see the lasagna wings. I was wings. dying from those <laughs> couple of lines. Yeah, this, this one got me. We see the lasagna wings. There's more Italy than necessary. <laughs> All, this, all that killed me. The pasta nachos, 
the extra Italy. There was more Italy than necessary. I was dying. Fred 2, I shall eat Italian citizens. Waitress, unlimited stick. We see unlimited stick. It is infinite. It is all. Friend 3, leave without me. I am home. Waitress, gluten classico from the kitchen. We the gluten classico. We believe the waitress that it is from the kitchen. We have no reason to believe. That was we the have part no, where we, I was like, this is straight up 1984. That's literally we have, we have, a line from the narrator in 1984. We, we have no reason not to believe. Sorry. Friend 4 saying nothing. Friend 1, what is wrong, friend 4? Friend 4 saying nothing. Friend 2, friend 4, what is wrong, friend 4? Friend 4 smiles wide. Her mouth is full of secret soup. This is my favorite. This may be my favorite part. Announcer. Wet voice in parentheses. <laughs> Olive Garden. When you're here, you're here. <laughs> it, is the, it is the most damning of all damning of fake phrases. When you're here, you're here. Confirmed. Factual. When you're here, you're here. <laughs> That's where you are. You're there. <laughs> oh man that i i couldn't there it's it's rare that i'm alone laughing out loud oh yeah and i couldn't stop and i had to i like sent it to everybody i know i <laughs> uh, just i and and the uh it, it is internal it is all was one of the things i got back the most <laughs> it also uh, that also that, that, like I said, that reminded me of one of the things that would have been described in 1984. But also, I could totally see that as being like the refrain of some like cult in a sci-fi movie. Yeah, it is eternal. Yeah. It is all <laughs> wet voice. <laughs> it is served. It is served with an <laughs> unnecessary amount of Italy. <laughs> I would love to see like okay like it does that I would love for it to like whatever this bot is okay now a thousand more hours and like draft two and just to see like what change <laughs> what yeah like how it progresses over time oh man when you're here you're here <laughs> flicks in a six when you're, when here, you're, you're here, here you're here oh man alright sorry I uh, need to get back to this pe- this Mexican yeah, yeah please it all started when Doja Cat shared a, quote, contractual rap for the chain with a silly trumpeted beat and Taco Bell's titular chime about Mexican pizza, which was taken off of Taco Bell's menu in 2020. Quote, I will end you if you ever dare to go discontinued, she rapped half-heartedly in her ironic jingle. This ain't even Mexican food. <laughs> this is honestly just as dystopic as that fucking script. <laughs> TikTok comedian Victor Kunda took her jingle and ran with it parodying what an intense rehearsal for a professional production of Mexican Pizza the Musical by Doja Cat might look like. The resulting musical was inspired by both TikToks, Entertainment Weekly reported, and Kunda will appear along with other yet-to-be-named special guests. Penned by screenwriter Hannah Friedman with Abigail Barlow and Emily Baer, the duo who won a Grammy for their first TikTok production, the unofficial Bridgerton musical, the upcoming show's plot remains unknown. Barlow and Bear did tease a snippet of this score, though, with lyrics like, You took a slice right out of my heart. <laughs> we sat down and composed a musical for Mexican pizza. 
debunking rumors that this digital performance was a joke, and every song is a banger if I do say so myself. Oh, God. Details on Parton's role in the musical are also scarce. A cameo, a leading role, the fairy moss mother of Taco Bell's accolades. <laughs> oh, come on. She announced her involvement with an Instagram post of a personal and confidential script. Over the last year, Taco Bell has tapped artists of the moment, Doja Cat, Little Nas X, and now the eternally popular Parton to hawk its Chalupa Supremes and cheesy gordita crunches to the youths. The country chanteuse feels inescapable these days, lending her likeness to sponsored content like a middling Super Bowl ad for T-Mobile and NFTs themed to her new book with James Patterson, Run, Rose, Run. That whole Parton, thing sounded like Part, something. Wait, hang on. I got, I, got one final, I got one final sentence here. So, Parton's had just as momentous a month as the Mexican pizza. She was named a member of the 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction class along with Eminem, <laughs> Lionel Richie, and the Eurythmics. The, on SNL, they did a, uh, a short a short clip of that bit of um, it was like Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, Eminem, and who else was it? The Eurythmics. Uh, entered into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which begs the question, what is rock and roll? <laughs> I've been wondering that for several years now, because every once in a while, like, there's incredibly momentous artists, but I feel like they aren't rock and roll artists. Right, right. Oh, man. That's funny. That's... I want nothing to do with that story except to eat a Taco Bell Mexican pizza. I've never had it. I can't imagine I ever will. But... This was brought to my attention because a couple of months ago on the Libertard show, they made a musical about the Super Bowl, and they've been trying to lobby for Grammy n- nominations for the musical. It was actually produced by like someone who is Grammy nominated. I forget the guy's name now. He was, I think, a country singer, but he's produced like some like rock and some country music albums hmm. and songs. And he came down for like a month, and they made a fucking musical which is hysterical. Um, it's incredibly inside to football and the NFL and the show, but it is legitimately pretty good. They took a bunch of people who can't sing and made it sound good too. It's, it's a trip, but now they're upset because they're afraid they're going to get crowded out in the social media category sure. by this upcoming Mexican pizza <laughs> TikTok musical. I will say I, uh, I don't eat, I don't eat fast food. Um, I, it's been a while, but I will like on a road trip. It's it's almost um, a necessity. Like you have to have it. It's part of the experience. Uh, on a substantial road trip, if you are hungover away from home, mm. it's pretty essential. I try not to eat it outside of that. I don't always succeed because I'm on the road all day for work. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I will say though of so when I do when it what it, it, if I have it usually during a road trip or something like that. Um, and then it's, I have to be, like, it's very specific what I'll have. And Taco Bell is, is my number one. There are now two Taco Bells within 10 minutes of my house. I have not been to either of them in years. My, years. my, my love of Taco Bell dates back to the release of Batman and Robin. Oh, wow. And the, uh, the meals and the games that went along with it. <laughs> I was also not expecting multiple Batman and Robin references in this episode. <laughs> I mean, if it's an episode or of Flicks and episodes. Six, Batman and Robin is likely coming up. <laughs> but two separate <laughs> iterations of it. That's, oh, man. I I love me some Taco Bell. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. See, it's good. It's good, terrible stuff.
What? That's it for news and nuggets, isn't it? Yes. Oh my goodness, we made it through. Only an hour and a half in. All right, Al. It's time for what we're consuming. What is that? What aren't we consuming? Oh, this is a treehouse alter ego. Ooh, nice. It's very. I think you gave me one of those, didn't you? I I did. I I sure did. You you had more of them for the show. Well, I bought a four pack. Oh, excellent. Couple good choice. Couple free. I this almost grabbed the, this, another this, beer. This was in the man bear pit. I mean, the wine beer fridge over there. Nice. So. <laughs> I almost bought another beer, uh, grabbed another beer to have. Um, and I thought that when I got up to go to the bathroom and that quick break that we just took. But when I got up, I realized that I feel this beer because I don't drink often. And this one was 10% and it came in pints. So um, true. not going to have another one. I was thinking about grabbing whiskey upstairs, but I had to piss so bad that it actually purged that idea from my mind, and I forgot. Mm. Came back downstairs, did not want to walk back upstairs. Sure. I walked over to the wine beer fridge, and I grabbed a beer. So nice. Here we are. Nice. So you're consuming more beer. Correct. Um, as we speak. What else are you consuming? Oh, so many things. <clears throat> so Same. I have been walk- reading slash listening to The Witcher, and I am nearly oh. done with the Second book in the Witcher series chronologically, first book chronologically is The Last Wish, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what was in the first season, and one or two of those stories was in the second season. Um, basically, the way it was delivered is a series of vignettes of Geralt doing these different things around the world, and in the interlude between each of those stories is a chapter in which he is healing in this temple, which I believe was supposed to be the temple from the second season that he visits briefly with Siri. Yeah. <clears throat> not, not 100% sure about that because the details are a little bit different. Um, That's kind of how I pieced it together myself. Yeah. Uh, oh, so did you start reading it? I I had a while back. Oh, okay. So I know we talked about it a while back that you yeah. might want to join up with I, us in our endeavor. I don't know how far I got. I may have gotten a decent way into it. Uh, I just kind of fell off, but Okay. Through no fault um, of the book, I just yeah. I, I don't know what it is with me and um, sticking the landing on finishing <laughs> a book, but uh, it's it's weird. Anyway. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm nearly done with the second book, which is The Sword of Destiny. And the first story of that was also from the first season of the show, but all the other stories since then have been different ones. Uh, ones I had not encountered yet in the show, so new material for me. Um, cool. It's a little bit less action-centric, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of fun character and lore things. Um, some of it's pretty entertaining. I would say it's a little bit more of a sen- sentimental book than the first one was. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and Siri finally shows up towards the end of this one in the subsection of the book titled The Sword of Destiny, which is the, obviously the title of the novel. And... Um, I'm very curious to see if in the next book, if they break from this whole vignette subsection stories model and go towards a more linear narrative or not, just because if we now have Siri on the board and obviously Geralt and, and Yennefer also out in the wild, I wonder if it will move towards a more linear narrative telling mm. each of their stories. I, I don't know one way or the other. I, I'd be cool. Sure. If I don't, but to me it would make, it would make sense to do it that way, but I'm not sure what, what I'll encounter next, but I very much enjoyed these books so far. Nice. Oh, I'm glad. That's awesome. I, I, I feel like I may end up getting back to it at some point. Um, I intend to. The time that I have to read is right before I go to sleep, mm-hmm. and 
I usually go and sit down with the best of intention and open the book and go, you know what? I'm pretty tired. <laughs> and I fall asleep. So I uh, I haven't actually read in, in, in the bit. I, I am listening to one one book, but it's more career-related than um, an entertaining book. So, Did you ever finish Without Remorse? No. Nope. <laughs> no. Boxwood Green? That happened. Botched, yeah. botched job. Botchwood green. Botchwood green. <laughs> uh, I do know. I know that the mission did not go well. Botched. I know that I listened to the chapter where it doesn't end well at least three times, and I could not <laughs> tell you why it didn't work out. Um, because I think every time I tried to listen to it, I fell asleep at the same spot and came to and turned off the audiobook at the same spot, knowing that the mission did not succeed, not fully knowing why. <laughs> now, and at this point, I think I'm just going to move on. <laughs> did, maybe that's for the best. Um, did you try, whether it be with that book or with the career book, did you try the, I know I mentioned to you that Audible has that function where you can set it to save your place when you're falling asleep. I just, how would, like, what do you, don't you have to, isn't it just a timer though? I'm not sure. Something uh, like I, I haven't I haven't tried it, no. But I could. <laughs> I could. I, mean, I, would, I, I would like to I would like to see where it's going. I will say at this point, every time I do go back to listen to it, I'm like, wait, who is that? Like there's so many characters now. And then I, I think I mentioned to you this to you on the show before, but like the writer does this whole call them by their last name, then call them by their first name, which makes it sound like there's two times as many people in the room all the time until you realize, <laughs> no, that is the same guy. And it's just like, you know what? Why don't you just be a little bit repetitive for the sake of clarity versus doing that, uh, which I am now finding extremely irritating. Off the top of my head, that is something that happens in his books. I wouldn't, say I notice it so often that it would be confusing, but I also tend to have good retention for those sorts of things. Also, I've never tried listening to any of his books. I've always I've read all of his books with my eyes, not my ears. Um, that being said, if my, my recollection of that phenomenon, for the most part, I'm not saying exclusively, it feels like in the narration of the book, like in the <clears throat> outside of quotations, it's primarily last names. Mm. And in conversation, it's primarily first names. Interesting. That's my recollection. I, I could be wrong about that, though. Maybe. But in my r listening of the book, these three characters are talking to each other, and these three characters are wandering around the scene for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't quite understand why. I, it's just, I'm sure it's a me problem that like okay. I could get over if I just gave it a little bit more. The thing is... Before you sit down to listen next time, you need to write down all the characters' names. I, the, now, now we're too far, right? Now, like, <laughs> who's dead? Who killed who? Who's on the lamb? Who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Who knows what? There is a guy that is in the police station or close to the police station that is a bad guy that knows what's happening. And that knows what information is being passed around and knows that things are getting close to coming down, but is trying to not let it happen. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I, I think that I could get back into it, I'm sure. Oh, 
The other day I put it on and a character that I did not know had died had died. And I was like, mm. I must have fallen asleep on an entire chapter at some point because I was shocked. So this, was, <laughs> this, so this wasn't a Boxwood Green related death? Though? No, this was a different death entirely. <laughs> ah, man. I, uh, I was really, I was heavily invested up front in that book and I was really enjoying it. And then uh, life happened and then I, I don't know, the book started falling apart. But Okay, that happens. We'll see. There are always many characters in these books, though. It is Game of Thronesian, where I mean, obviously, those books were written a decade plus before those before Martin published. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> yeah, no, there's always many characters in a Clancy novel. Which is- the thing is, yeah, there are a lot of characters, and I've for the most part, I've kept track of them well enough. I it's the uh, it's the Tonys, the Billies, the Bobbies that are really just. <laughs> <laughs> and they all may be the same person. It's unclear. And, and, the, 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 and the Smiths, the Johnsons, and the Williamses, who actually are all, each one of them is Tommy, one of them is Billy, one of them is Bobby. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like Tony Moretti. And I for I could swear for like two or three chapters, I thought Tony was talking to Moretti or something along those lines, but it's <laughs> it's the same guy. <laughs> Uh, it's just it's a whole that I, I don't know it's like i said it's probably it was probably just a me thing thinking that i could kind of semi-passively listen and retain it but there's too many there's too many names if they use the same name each time it would be fine but they don't and uh anyway i don't even know where, where how we got on this oh the the witcher, the witcher. You were asking about i also have i had started that book that uncle john lent me mm-hmm. um which i really like uh uh, by Django Wexler and uh, not Kim Wexler more on her later yes. uh, but the <laughs> the it's good I'm really enjoying that and even that I've you know I'll read like a chapter and then like I end up on like a month hiatus before I pick it up again but like for whatever reason that's tough I've really been able to retain everything going on in that book that's always good so that's I think like chapter by chapter <clears throat> it's switching back and forth between perspective as perspectives of a brother and a sister that have been since separated um since the prologue for many years Mm. and um you could tell that the story is leading towards their paths converging once again but um in a in a pretty cool way both being on on opposite sides of i don't want to say the law but something like it (laughs) (laughs) something it's good good. law adjacent I'm pretty, pretty, pretty pumped about what. Like every time I read it, I, I'm pretty into it, and um, I, I think the world building in it is is pretty solid. So, like, there's I, I'm not one for an overly descriptive novel because I I'm going to end up putting my own twist on it visually in my head. Mm-hmm. So, like, I almost find like I'm fighting with it sometimes. Okay. When they're too descriptive, this I feel like. It paints the picture so quickly that, like, I'm able to fill in everything around it in a... I don't know. I don't know what it is about the style of the writing that it works well for. Um, so, you don't like your prose too prosaic? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, but anyway, that's... that's that, Those are the things I'm not consuming. Oh. Um, okay. A twist. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> they kind of just came up naturally, but I haven't actually uh, read them uh, since we last spoke. I am still 
you know, I'm still on, still on the American Idol kick for some, for some out of nowhere reason that I'm really enjoying it. That's good. I'm really enjoying it. I'm fascinated that you're still that invested in the show. So there's this one contestant who unfortunately was voted off recently. And it's like one of the ones where you like, he's good. I love him. He's not going to win. You know, like you have those, you know, you have those. That's this, this guy. Uh, He's really like just very talented. But for whatever reason, you can tell that he's Ryan Seacrest's favorite. (laughs) And he always gives him a hug. And it's like he's always so sweet to him. And it's you just don't get any of that emotion for any of the other contestants. And it was just so obvious the whole show that so this Ryan, guy was his favorite. <laughs> so Ryan was heartbroken when he got yeah, it, it seemed that way. It seemed that way. <laughs> you just see him get voted off and Ryan's the one who's crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, <laughs> Why, God? What the fuck is wrong with you? Do you not know art? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that, that's that American Idol. That's me. What do you got? What else? What's next? Um, so I got to see now two weekends ago, the unbearable weight of massive talent. <gasps> and Jelly. It, was, it was a treat. It ah. is just, it's just fun. It is a fun movie. It's not perfect. Sure. It's not, we need to win an Oscar or something like that. Some of it's a little bit cheesy. Some of it is very in the, the vein of 21 Jump Street, the 22 Jump Street, like leaning into the self-referential um, and like commentary stuff, but it's just a fun, entertaining movie. Cage and Pascal, you could already tell from the trailer, were great together, and mm-hmm. they are phenomenal together in oh, this movie. It's, that makes it me is so a, happy. In in what we will surely talk about later in this movie, it is a most unlikely comedic pairing, and the mm-hmm. two of them are great. You could totally buy them being best friends in this movie. That's awesome. <laughs> it's it's just it's a it's a good fun time, and, and some am... of it is bonkers. I'm very much looking forward to seeing that eventually. Yeah, it's really good. I don't want to go any more into detail. I, I very much want you and Kim to see it and for cool. us to do it for the show. It's, it's a good time. I, like you, I assume, am fully up to date on Better Call Saul. Correct. That oh, my. my prior, that has been my priority to watch. Oh, my. What a treat. It's been really strong. It is such a great show. Yes. Just like... Really, you just see it, like everything kind of falling into place, and I'm still so curious where certain things are going to go. Yes, um, which is such a weird spot to be in for a prequel show, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and yet they're pulling it off. Interestingly, um, well, that's not true. I was going to say no, uh, no depiction of what's going on in the future. Like, there's no bla- hasn't been any of the black and white shots yet of later Jimmy. Um, well, the the very first scene of the first episode, not black and white, but right, but it was few, it was I it guess was it somewhere was, in the middle. It was between. I was like, it, yeah, it, it was pre post quill. Can we call it a post quill? It's post quill. Yeah, it's post uh, Better Call Saul. It's pre Cinnabon. Yeah, well, yeah, post Breaking Bad. Post Breaking Bad. Pre Cinnabon. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, no, I was gonna say like the Gene and Cinnabon stuff. It doesn't feel quite like an epilogue because it seems like it's trying to break new ground of story. So I'm saying let's call it a post quill, yeah. not a prequel. Um, yeah. And this is pre post quill and post yeah. <laughs> post uh, Breaking Bad. Um, it was interesting. I, that house was as ridiculous as you expect a house. Absolutely. For to live in the cardboard cutout cracked me up. 
Yep. Um, seeing some of the other little knickknacks that were clearly references to both shows was good. Seeing the car and all that was yep. was interesting. Um, it is a little bittersweet to see that all go, even though we obviously knew something like that happened. Sure, sure. I am I am really uh, excited to see. I'm so glad that like the season seems like it might, it's a little bit lengthy in episodes, which is great because I yeah, don't want they're doing it to a, end. They're doing a split after. Well, there's one or two more episodes. Well, I think and there's one more. A break, and then it comes back during the summer. I want to say. I think so. I think so. So that's that's pretty great. I am maybe we'll we'll probably do our episode by episode breakdown of that, like when the second half comes out. I feel like since we already missed the whole first half, yeah. <laughs> as far as Flix and the Six is concerned, I will say I want to. So I tend to go back. I love all of the crazy details that are peppered throughout the episodes and to go back and read them i'm not i'm not looking for them in the moment um some of them i am i i don't believe people found i feel like they were surfaced somewhere else because they're ridiculous but uh, it is always fun to go back and find out some of the things that were that were hinted at or pointed at very explicitly that you just don't know of in there, there was one from last week's episode when he starts his practice in earnest of being Saul Goodman and Spooge int- <laughs> introduces himself. I was like, uh-huh. cause how could you forget a name like that? And that yeah. was the, the dude who was all like cracked out who Rob was he robbed Jesse. Right. And like, like tried to, crack open the ATM and yep. Jesse like messes with him. That was the one where it's like the most egregious example of the, the weird camera angle when it's on the, the, uh, the shovel when he's sticking yes. up the, uh, the, the front lawn. <laughs> that, that, yep. There's that. So this one was, was super crazy. It is uh, a, no spoilers here because like a, a fan favorite uh, is how I've read it, but I agree. A character, a character dies in this in this season so far. That's happened in the episodes of the past, and there was some foreshadowing that the character was going to die. We mm-hmm. assume it based on what's going on that it's probably going to happen. It becomes more and more apparent, um, but you don't know exactly when or exactly how or um, well, it's going to happen. I uh, I believe it is season. I think it was season six, episode three that it happens. Yes, yes, and. There is a scene prior to it. I think it's in this in the episode before it, uh, where a character steps on a domino after the dominoes have fallen, and that domino is six three, <laughs> and it's just really <laughs> okay. So that's that's a whole different. I thought you were talking about Easter eggs from like. Breaking Bad no. and stuff like that. <laughs> no, internal like that. teasers at things that are going to happen in this season. Yeah, I mean, and, and Breaking Bad and Saul have done stuff like that yeah. in the past. But yeah, no, like, I I just can't be looking for details like that. No, no, not at all. But like the idea that the dominoes are going to fall in season six, episode three is well done. Just what, like, <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, that's just, that, that stuff is crazy. But anyway, the, the series, the season has been so good so far. And I am on the edge of my seat the whole time, just waiting for something to happen. Also, it's funny. I, I guess it made sense once I saw it, but I didn't really think about it at the time. But it was really cool that it took till this late in the run of the show, nearly you know, a third, a quarter of the way through the final season, the sixth season 
last week's episode was the first time that Kim and Mike were on screen together. Yeah. Um, in an episode directed by <clears throat> Reese Horn, um, which was really cool. I think this is the first episode she's directed in the show, isn't it? Oh, that's cool. I don't, I don't know. If it, but that... I think it is. I'm not 100% sure, but I thought that was cool. Um, I, I think it was it was kind of a nice touch that she, in the episode she directed, she really dished out some of the, the best stuff to everyone else because that was the episode, and this is a light spoiler here, but Jimmy dressing up like Howard with the fake oh. I was dying when he's fucking walking down the street <laughs> dressed up and looking like with the dyed hair and everything yeah. the whole scheme that they concoct with the car and fan favorite prostitute Wendy uh, and yeah. all that stuff <laughs> hysterical sequence of yeah it's it's really great it there's so much going on there's so much there's so much to enjoy in every single scene. I yes. love it. I love it. Um, really looking forward to seeing where it goes. Uh, what else you got? What's next for you? Um, so we were talking about a scanner darkly earlier, and we were just talking about Bob Odenkirk. And so I haven't started watching it. Actually, I'm not 100% sure if it came out yet or if it's about to come out. But the second season of a show that I watched several years ago on Amazon called Undone, is coming out, which I was never 100% sure if they were going to do a second season of that show mm. because it didn't seem like a huge priority. But I really liked it, weird as it was, the first season. I know I mentioned it to you on the show at the time when I watched it. Um, it's done in the style of a Scanner Darkly, which I know we... That's why I know we talked about it, because you mentioned what that's called, that animation style or whatever. Cell shading. Yes, that sounds right. Um... And Bob Odenkirk is in that he plays Rosa Salazar from um, Alita Battle Angel and I'm sure other things, but that's we've done that on the show, so that's probably the best yeah. reference point. Uh, plays her father who had died in the show, and she's trying to figure out who or why he died and everything, how he was killed, if he was killed, if it was an accident, if it was murder, because she starts getting visions of him who's claiming it's murder, and she starts investigating it and finds out that there were some suspicious details. And also, along the way, um, figures out that she can kind of, sort of, butterfly effect, see different things across timelines and all. And becomes a whole different story that I did not expect it to be. Um, it was a really interesting show. Part of it was the animation style. Part of it was I really loved the cast. Because um, it's not just them, there's a bunch of other people in the show, too. And... Um, I don't know, it's just a, an interesting, entertaining, totally different type of watch, and so I'm excited to see the second. That's cool. That sounds interesting. Um, you had mentioned before mm-hmm. that uh, you, before your before your three-month and one-week trial runs out that you want to watch Severance. <laughs> yes. Um, I can report back that I have watched Severance. All right. it is absolutely worth your time. Oh, I've heard Holy that. Holy Holy, was that a good show? <laughs> Everything I've I've seen, read, heard has oh been unanimous goodness. that it's fantastic, and I definitely want to. Uh, ben I'm Stiller not channeling keep... his inner Alex Garland. My goodness! <laughs> wow, I, I haven't been able to remotely keep up with everything that I've wanted to watch recently. So that I haven't started that one yet because I want to give it its due. But I, I do feel it's a like uh, clock ticking. It, so it's a drop other stuff for you. Okay, well, the other stuff right now has been finished Moon Knight. Now that is done. Mm. Um, have been keeping up concurrently with Better Call Saul. 
um, Barry started, and I I just finally, the first three episodes are out. I watched the first one tonight before we recorded. Uh, I've totally dropped Halo, not because I don't want to continue watching it, just haven't had time to watch it. Yeah. So I am Halo, Halo and Moon Knight are just like that for me. I have I just I want to watch them. I just haven't gotten back. Okay, to so, them. so you didn't finish Moon Knight because no. I did. It ended what two weeks ago. I think so. But man, dude, Severance, like just so stylish, uh, insanely captivating. Like what? Like you want to know. You want to know where it's going, but you don't. You want it to go a little bit slower because, like, you're just enjoying like living in like the mystery of it all. It's yeah. uh, the performances are insane. There is some deep thought work to go into what's happening on certain aspects of it, and like the the conspiracies involved. It's awesome, and what's really cool is it was shot not too far from here. Oh, really? uh, at Bell Lab or what used to be Bell Labs. It's now called Bell Works, um, and. Uh, we were there the other day for uh, there was this uh, they have like a fair in the building um, where like a bunch of vendors were set up and like in a compl- like a crazy real life fourth wall break there was an ad for the show on an Apple TV inside of one of the stores in Bellworks and I was like oh, I don't like it <laughs> this is too weird <laughs> but uh, that, fe- that feels intentional yeah it, yeah it was absolutely an accident it was just happened to be that the Apple TV was on in the store like it wasn't set up it was just like all other trailers too were showing it's just the way that it was set up but uh it's okay, maybe uh, not intentional then it is Oh man, it's so good. Crazy devs vibes as far as like the intrigue and trying to piece it together and understand it along the way and wondering why and what is going on, but like not in a misleading way. Like everything is so well thought out and you can tell that there is clearly an answer to all of the questions somewhere. So the well-executed puzzle box. Yeah, and it's... And you're not going to get all of them by the end of the first season. Okay. And I think that's good because I want more. And all like there was nine episodes, I think. And after the ninth one, Kim was like, episode 10, please. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, it's not happening like every day since. (laughs) What what do you want to watch tonight? I want to watch episode 10, (laughs) which doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like this is very against the grain for like stiller stuff. Cause obviously yeah. he's been working more behind the camera and all. And this sounds like it's a big departure from things he's made in the past. Yeah. I mean, like I don't know too much about like other things that he's directed and stuff, but I know that there's always, um, there's a tinge of comedy in there. There's some real, there are some, there are some laughs to be had in it, which is great, but it, there's, it's super dark. I know he's directed a, a good handful of things now, but, off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of is the cable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there's some funky stuff going on in that movie, but that's still at its core a comedy, right? Yeah. that Yeah. This, this is definitely the other way where there's like the occasional chuckle <clears throat> to be had, but it's almost like a nervous laughter. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull up what else he's uh, directed here. Dodgeball 2. What? Uh, no. What else we got? So, well, Severance. Escape at Denimora? Denimora, yeah. I, I've, I've heard of it. I forgot that he made that. Oh, he's he directed Zoolander too. That Se- actually sounds right, yes. Secret Life of Walter Mitty I did not get to see, but wanted to. Oh, I didn't realize he directed that. Okay. 
Um, he was in it. He was the star of that. The Station. He directed Tropic Thunder. And, Wait, he directed Tropic Thunder? And OG Zoolander and Cable Guy. Uh, yeah, so this he... this feels like... I don't know anything about that uh, Escape at Danamora or... That, um, that was supposedly really good, too. But I'm kind of curious didn't get if nearly, dark That didn't get well. nearly the same hype as uh, Severance, though. A female prison employee in upstate New York becomes romantically involved with a pair of inmates and helps them escape. Interesting. But, um, yeah, so this is... It's absolutely worth your time. I think you're going to very much enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's definitely something I want to watch actively. Yeah. Dodgeball 2, plot is unknown. Interesting. I don't think that needs to be a second one, but whatever. Probably not. Cool. What's next on your list? Um... So I watched a movie that got some promos on TV as in addition to internally and Amazon. But I watched a movie called All the Old Knives. Did you see anything about that? Are you aware of that movie? I'm not. It's um, Chris Pine and Tandy Newton and um, other people. Lawrence Fishburne, I want to say. Uh, Jonathan Price, probably still other people. But definitely the two of them, for sure, okay. were the stars of that movie. I definitely watched the whole movie. I did not fall asleep on it, but I was rather tired while watching it. Um, sure. I watched this several weeks ago. It was a it was a good, solid... Listen, it's it's it, it has the bones of one of those classic Cold War thrillers, mm-hmm. but it's supposed to take place in a more modern setting. It's, it, I mean, technically it takes place present day, but it's events... Um, cycle something that's supposed to have happened in like 2005 or something like that and then like time had passed and all I, I actually I forget sorry it wasn't a true story I don't know I think about it uh, like I'm sorry it wasn't like based on a real event but it was something that was like realistic seeming okay. uh, I think it was supposed to be something that took place in like roughly 2005 and then it picks up present day and they're going back to this it was this terrorist hijacking of this plane um, that didn't like ever lift off the ground I don't think it was on the tarmac the whole time and yeah. it takes place, it was, like, I think in Germany or Austria or something like that. And they are all, like, the, the, the leads I just mentioned were all in, I think, the CIA um, in, like, the, uh, like, posted over there. And they were like, oh, like, we need to check out some, see if there's anything going on, if, if this has anything to do with us. and uh, Or if there's any threats and then this ends up happening right in their own back you know, backyard and they basically have a very quick turnaround where they have to try and supply information to the government, the assorted governments, you know, American, British and whatever country they were in, I forget, um, to try and re- resolve this, this terrorist plot. And it ends up going horribly wrong. All the hostages die, I think basically. And they catch some Intel that the reason that they couldn't work properly on this was because someone from the inside was feeding information. And so it becomes this. It was the taste of betrayal. (laughs) So yeah. So it comes, it becomes this cat and mouse thing like 15 years later or whatever, trying to figure out who it was who supplied this information. No one trusts anyone. Everyone's hunting each other. And a lot of it takes place. A lot of it takes place uh, through Chris Pine interviewing the assorted people. Okay. It, it was a, it was an entertaining watch, you know, just in that sort of like intrigue thriller sort of way. It was it was a it was a good solid watch, you know, if you like that sort of um, itch of solving this mystery and all that. So nice, that sounds fun. Uh, yeah, uh, I like good. the movie like that. Yeah, sweet. 
I um I mentioned Halo and Moon Knight are on hiatus for me, but I have in the past couple of weeks I got to sit down a few times with the Guardians of the Galaxy game. So it was on sale a few weeks ago. I bought it. I have not started it yet. I, I, I mean, you've spoken very highly about it, so I got it. Yeah, it's every time I sit down to play it, I love it even more. I haven't heard a ton about it online, but I've seen a lot of people seem to really, really like it. And I know you said you really like it. So I yeah. downloaded it when it was on sale. I haven't had a chance. I haven't really played anything in the last couple of weeks. So um, the, it's something I'd like to pick up as soon as I can finish <laughs> off my, my Andromeda playthrough. Yeah, the, the gameplay is super fun. The storytelling is fantastic. The writing is awesome. Everybody's like really well fleshed out. Um, the The decision tree stuff is pretty strong as far as like not feeling remorse for like, oh, I wish I would have said that instead of this, but like just kind of enjoying where the story goes after you make a call, like to the point where I'm like, I almost want to just pick the left option all the way through this time and the right option all the way through next time just to see, because I'd much rather watch the characters deliver the lines and talk through it because it's it's fun to watch. And I know you mentioned that like throughout the game, there's times where like a decision you make is referenced and like specifically like the game, like, subtext actually tells you like yeah. this will be remembered later on or yep. this has to do with something you decided earlier or whatever. I like I like that. I am curious like what kind of differences actually occur based on those actions because it, everything seems so tightly streamlined mm-hmm. that like I kind of wonder how much control you are having over the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. Um but even so, like I said the performances are really great and uh definitely leans a little bit more into um comic book story arcs and lines versus the MCU ones, like for a handful of things, like specifically Thanos and like you're getting a lot of information about Thanos through backstory of Gamora and like talking to her, not like you're dealing with him. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. I think it sounds like he's since been disposed of. I I can't, I haven't fully figured it out yet, but it's like more along the lines of like, um, in the comic, I believe like he falls in love with death, the who is like, there's an embodiment of death and that's like the actual driving force behind um, the snap and all that stuff. Whereas that's a big, that's a, yeah, that's a big comic book storyline. I forget from what run, but yes, that is yeah. one of the, cause I think it's, that's technically def, like the character that um, Kate Blanchett was supposed to, was playing essentially in, in Thor Ragnarok, I think is, there's overlap with that character. Oh, really? I think so. Cause well, cause she's, Technically, well, she was Hela, right? But she was like the goddess of death or whatever. And I know mm. she, in the comics she's referred to as like the goddess of death and mistress death and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. I, I think that's the character, basically. Okay, gotcha. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so like it's just been the what's a really fun is to walk through these just incredible landscapes as you're like, you know, going on a mission. Yet it the game seems so full because the characters are constantly bickering. But in, like, the best way and some of the most ridiculous lines that will catch you off guard here and there. Like, Drax will constantly throw a line out there of, like, I will go first over this scary ledge, but don't try to kill me, Gamora. (laughs) Because, like, he's he's convinced that she can't be trusted, even though they've been doing this for a while now. (laughs) She is so clearly on the team. Like, that type of thing is really funny to experience the whole way through. Uh, there's just like all, there's just so much of it, like along the same lines, like he always seems to be like making jabs at her, but then she does something pretty, um, 
significant for like the team in a in a scenario and he's just like she is uh like you know, incredible at wielding that sword and rocket like stops in his track and he's like whoa do you just compliment her <laughs> like, like there's like it's just so like the characters are so aware of each other and how they interact with them with the other characters on the screen that like it's incredible that the writing could be so tight around that stuff considering you are making choices and differing things are happening dialogue wise based on those choices yeah and i'm just uh, really really enjoying it that and the playing as one character and issuing commands to others to do certain things here and there and like stacking certain things like i don't know crowd control with Groot, and then like uh area of effect damage with rocket and some explosions and then having gamora doing like a strong strike on one person or like three mediocre strikes on a few people and like like just like deciding who to call in when is really cool and then on top of that um every once in a while you can get to a point where you can hit the two uh i guess on xbox probably the bumpers and you could rally the team and every, they, they basically huddle up like a mid battle and they're all talking and you have to listen to what they're saying and you have to watch the words that are floating around on the screen and you have to make a left or a right choice on the dialogue tree. And if you pick the right one, it rallies the team. And if you pick the wrong one, they kind of just get annoyed with you. And if they get annoyed with you, you kind of just go back and nothing like everybody's kind of even like they probably you were probably in like a rough state and you're probably you're still there. But if you pick the appropriate one that rallies the team, like everybody gets like a boost and like does some extra damage and like takes on some extra health and stuff like that. It's really there's just some really fun and clever mechanics within the game that are actually that like sound pretty cool. mini games within the battle system that end up being fun. Like uh, it has like a Gears of War style reload for Peter where like you tap the button just as it hits a certain line and you get a boost from the reload. But if you miss the window, your guns overload, like things like that. Yeah. And it's. I don't know. It just makes it really entertaining to play. Like I've gotten into the situations where I'll just be like, Oh, like there's all these people. I'm going to like have Groot crowd control them. Then rocket drops all his bombs on them. Then send Draxon to take on the big one and send Gamora to strike the other three around it. And it's just, and like all the meanwhile, I like, I'll activate my jet boots and I'll fly around the area and just shoot down at everybody while it's happening. <laughs> and it's just like, you just completely obliterate everything on screen. And it's just uh, that sense of power. Once you figure out like good combos with the different enemies on screen is really fun. And then now, do you only play as Quill or do you play as all of them? Throughout you the only manually control Quill. The other ones you issue commands to. Okay. But which is, which is nice. Cause I feel like when you switch between characters, I feel like think the games can get a little bit unwieldy, mm. but it's a, uh, it's, it's fun. I'm glad you picked it up. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. Sweet. What's next for you? As far as consumption goes. Um, I think that's all the big stuff. I did finish Moon Knight. I know you said you didn't get around to finishing mm. it up yet. It was pretty good, pretty solid show. I'd, I'd say probably ranks in the middle of the pack of all the shows. I uh, te- actually I never got around to watching Hawkeye, mm. um, but it's definitely better than. Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the baseline quality of this was maybe a bit higher, like cons- like consistently higher than WandaVision, but some of the highs of WandaVision definitely outstripped it. Mm. Um, Loki, obviously, is the standard bearer so far. Yeah, so like um, Loki, 
Wanda this? Yeah, I would say that's probably about right. Maybe that's where I would, that, that was Those my assessment cool. so far with what I've seen. I would say that outside of Loki, because it's probably not super fair to compare to a show that had a long established character like that. Um, this has probably been the best performance. Mm. Oscar Isaac's performance in this has been really strong. Ethan Hawke was good. There's a ton of screen time, but he's on often enough. And the yeah. supporting cast is all pretty damn good too. Um, Loki, nice. obviously, I think really crushes it. And not just him, obviously. Um, I forget the name of the, the one who played um, variant Loki and, and Owen Wilson and everyone else was great too. Um, so that, that show really truly is the best of the shows so yeah. far. And I don't think it's particularly close. Um, and I really liked like the dual leads in WandaVision, but um, this, this show, obviously having Oscar Isaac playing two leads and then having other stuff going on. And this is like, it was a different story than those. It's, it's very standalone. There's one or two references to like the larger F- MCU, but really by and large, this kind of is on its own, which I'm curious. I don't want to go too far into that until you finish watching it, but sure. I'm curious how far at arm's length it keeps everything else and yeah. how that manifests going forward and other things later on. Well, they've kind of, I, something I've been curious about with the MCU, it, like with the introduction of like the Eternals and, even this, like you're starting, it's starting to branch out into other areas that like, you know, I'm a little bit worried about like how you keep it all together when you start to like, it was already a little bit difficult to wrap your head around, in my opinion, like Thor and the realms, right. Mm -hmm. In association with like everything else that's taking place on earth for the most part. And then all the other stuff that's taking on in space but within the same universe and like the realms seeming separate from that. And now you're talking about multiverse separate from that. And now you're talking about eternals and gods and things like that, that are another branch of it, that all of it together, it's, it's hard to, to kind of consider it all at once. I've always been a little bit confused about the differentiation between realms and like outer space as well. Yeah, it almost seems like they're used interchangeably at times. Mm-hmm. Um, the multiverse thing actually I mean, feels very different because it exists wholly outside of it. it it's really the placement of like, these realms. What are they? Where are they? That's because yeah, those almost felt like different dimensions. But in this case, it's clearly something that's halfway between those things. Right. Which so I, I don't, probably, but probably, I don't understand it specifically. So, so I guess to to me, the way I I'm choosing to rationalize this now that I'm really trying to commit myself to picking a way to to define this now, it feels like the the realms thing are like pocket universes, whereas like the multiverse is wholly separate universes. Sure. Like these, like like the, the basically the realms are like pocket universes that exist within this space time continuum. Yeah, it's like almost like the realm is okay. Right, past the uni- past the planet is the solar system, past the solar system is the galaxy, past the galaxy is the universe, past the universe is the realms, maybe? And then the multiverse is that its own whole thing. In separation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean I can get on that. But then like where do the um the godlike things come into play? It seems like it's case by case because yeah. Like the Norse god ones seem to exist in these other realms, whereas the Egyptian gods seem to function the way that like 
historically, like kind of theologically, like we've viewed gods where they're kind of tied to earth, but they exist on a separate plane in the way that the realms do. Yeah. Maybe they, whereas Asgard feels like it exists in a physical location separate, whereas like the Egyptian gods in this seem to exist tied directly to earth, but not of earth. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I am trying not to look too far into it because I don't want to take away from the fun of these things. But sure, but it's at the not, same time, sometimes you need a frame of reference to orient yeah. yourself. And that and that's that was my concern kind of going into Moon Knight of like, okay, introduction of characters, cool. Some of the stuff that you're saying, I'm not sure how it fits in um and what it'll mean on the grand scale. Like the the very like everything going on in that went on in Loki actually seems like the biggest, craziest, wildest threat since Thanos. Like, like yeah. the, just like the the actual, like, breaking down because of the variants. Um, Which makes sense. I mean... Mm-hmm. But then how those... How these other things that seem to be all powerful or above power that we understand coming into play, and what does it mean for them is interesting. And I don't fully know how that'll play out or... Un- understand how it can play out and how they're going to keep all those threads together. So we'll see. Um, But I'm definitely, I'll definitely finish it. I mean, I was enjoying it. I just got overwhelmed with a bunch of stuff that I was watching and consuming. So I just haven't gotten back to it, but between the, now that I've wrapped up a couple of other things, I think uh, I'll be getting back into some moon Knight and halo. I should probably pick one and finish it and then do the other one. Which is basically what I had done, where I was like, okay, I was a couple of episodes behind on Moon Knight, and that season was ending, and I was like, alright, let me just finish this, because it was a lesser commitment to get done with it. Yeah, It's like, I'll come back to Halo at some point down the road, but like, I'm not gonna skip out on Saul, I'm gonna watch that. I've been watching it on Monday nights, Mm -hmm. um, and I've really wanted to watch Barry, and um, like I I said, I I just hadn't watched it. It's been back, so. I, uh, I have one more thing for consumption. It's a legit consumption. Okay. So. Not pork chops? Weeks ago. No. Weeks ago, you were here. We did the Oscars. We made some pizzas. Those pizzas were delightful. I have, for Mother's Day, we did a brunch here. And I followed a similar recipe for the dough, tweaked it slightly. I added a little bit more yeast, got a little bit more of a rise out of it. Um, made a, even a, just a slightly bit more airy than it was when we had it, which ended up working out really well. And I made a bunch of shells, like basically cooked the, the banged out the pie and baked it with brushed it with olive oil and nothing else so that I would have the shell to work with after they were done. And I made breakfast pizzas and Ooh, they were tremendous. Al, I made one that was spinach, feta, and bacon. Okay. I made one that was sausage, egg, and cheddar. Nice. I made a Western omelet. Okay. Style one. I made one with hard-boiled eggs and bacon. Okay. And I made one that was uh, cream cheese and lox. That one I can do without. And it was that one was pretty pretty bonkers. But they were all oh, Al, I love pizza. <laughs> I uh, love I. pizza, and uh, the breakfast pizza is no exception. Fantastic. It's fantastic. What is it about? What is it about feta and spinach? Because tonight for dinner I had chicken that was like sliced chicken breast wrapped around spinach and feta cheese. It's just uh, 
I don't know. It just goes so good together. Like pork and applesauce. Like far better than pork and applesauce. <laughs> like like lamb and tuna. Fish. Lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> oh man, is that it for your consumption? Yeah, that's all the major stuff I have as well. I I dare say we have no time for fun and games this week. Not tonight. So I think with that, it is time for our flick of the week. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, released in 1988, PG, rated PG, interesting, with an hour and 50 minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis, two con men try to settle their rivalry by betting on who can swindle a young American heiress out of $50,000 first. Yeah. Pretty pretty spot on. Al, what is your uh, hot take? A throwback comedy of the highest order, laughs and heart, and a solid hang all around. Kane and Martin are as unlikely a comedy duo as you can find, and do not disappoint. Nine out of ten. Nice. As with many comedies, some bits don't hold up. Even so, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is the perfect embodiment of a lost genre. Seven out of ten. I definitely uh, have never seen this one before. Um, Super, super entertaining. I did not. I I will say uh, uh, a little bit of a phenomenon related to movies of the time. Man, bad trailers. The trailers are not good for movies from that time frame. I never watched the trailer. For they that do for not sure. capture the movie at all. Okay, <laughs> it's like they they capture. It's almost like too spot on of like what the plot points are. Where it's like okay, but why? Like I don't. That great. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good enough like capturing the tone yeah exactly and uh this this was really fun like there was there's definitely like certain bits of it like certain shticks that they do that I, I i really enjoyed um one in particular is is like a a reoccurring thing in the early moments of the movie where like <laughs> you tell a secret to a woman so you grab her by the shoulders and you put her in front of a bush and like you like hide her in the bush as you're telling her the secret and this happens like like two or three times in a row and i'm like i i don't even know what they're talking about anymore because i'm completely captivated by the ridiculousness of the message delivery (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i was like i just want i just want to tell kim a secret and like stand her next to one of the house plants like that's <laughs> that's that's what it, uh, it was so it's so ridiculous but um it a lot of it was a lot of fun i will say i'm not i keep trying because i feel like he's so well revered um steve martin i don't i don't think i get him i don't think his style is particularly for me i i recognize the skill well he's a big part of why I reference that this is a throwback comedy because he is a comedian for a different era. Mm-hmm. Like his greatest hits are like this and the jerk, which is just not what we know as modern comedy anymore. Yeah. And I I don't disagree with you at all, actually. Like he's not my favorite idea of a comedian. I've mm-hmm. seen some of his sketches on SNL, which were funny, but it's again. It's not this time. It's not of this time. Yeah, some of his some of his SNL stuff that I've seen, I have enjoyed. I, you know, what I it is. I had recently watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, that, this that too. Past holiday season, and he 
this role and that role, like he's just an asshole, right? Like he's playing a jerk. Yeah. And I don't find those types of characters to be fun to watch. However, like I said, it, de- I can... it depends. There, because there's moments in this movie where he really just genuinely annoys me, and I'm not entertained. And there's other times where it cracks me up. Mm. I don't. He never really. He never really cracks me up in this. However, I can recognize how well he's playing the part, and I appreciate sticking to it and and landing like almost like that irritation that I'm getting. It feels intentional, and is the whole purpose of him. Yeah, so there's like some I, of this. It's like a weird balancing act. I wonder if Ben Stiller was a big fan of his because there's some I I recognize some of that DNA in some of Stiller's mm. most popular comedy works where he's like he is taking a situation that's vaguely awkward but could be solved and making it ten times worse and it's a hundred percent intentional like yeah behind like you know off screen it's a hundred percent intentional but on screen it's like you just want to punch the guy in the face which is the point he's trying right. to get a rise out of you. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that is the off-screen, the script mentality that like that creates that situation. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. For me, that shtick wears thin pretty quick. Yeah. But dependent on the script and who the character is playing with in that scene, sometimes it's great, um, and it will move past that threshold where I start to get annoyed on it. But like, I'll highlight some examples in this one when, when uh, like a lot of the stuff when he's first introduced. And you're just supposed to hate the guy. I just hate the guy and I'm not entertained. Like mm-hmm. when he's like got a sob story in the train and he bilks that woman for a free meal. Yeah. Not entertaining. Not clever. Not interesting. Yeah. But then when he starts to train under Michael Caine's <laughs> character and he's like, you know, okay, so what am I? When he, when he, they do their first scam and he gets paid out. And he's like, I didn't get anything. He goes, you're getting paid an experience. He goes, what? You know, come on. There's got to be something about all this. He goes, you know, fine. And he says, what can I spend my money on or whatever? And he goes, then he starts showing him. He shows him the wine, the wine collection of the ancient wines that he's got. He goes, oh, wow. He goes, so you drink all this? He goes, oh, no, no, I would never drink them. You know, he goes, he shows him the, the, the gardens. And he goes, this garden was on the brink of death. And with under my stewardship, it's become this beautiful. He goes, so what's the, the angle? He goes, there is no angle. Just, you know, whatever. He goes, and then he takes him to the art museum and he's showing it all. And he sees the sculpture, and it's the naked woman, and he goes, so I have wine that I can't drink, gardens that I, I, I can't touch, and while I can appreciate that that is a, a statue of a naked woman, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, that whole thing where it's like, you just hate him because he's such a sleaze. Yeah. But that that whole shtick, the way they set it up and then knock it down, because as much as he's being an asshole, you can actually kind of sympathize with him, too, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, he's gone through the motions, yes, he struggled at, and he's he's chafed at the. It's a guy who's not used to dealing with authority and all that stuff, and he's meant to be obnoxious and annoying. But on the other hand, it's like no, no, he has followed all the rules, and you're not giving the carrot in the stick here. You're just giving him the stick essentially, yeah. <laughs> like because even then, oh, you'll get the money down the line. But now he's not even allowed to spend the money unless you like give him the okay to how to spend the money. Like there is a bridge too far there sure. <laughs> and the way he chooses to deliver that message kind of cracks me up yeah that's 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 fair that that's kind of funny i will say the stuff that he does that um that does land for me is the physical comedy i think he yes when he casts off the asshole like mentality and he goes 
turns everything to 11. Uh-huh. That totally cracks me up. That I, middle sequence of the movie cracks me up. When he's in the wheelchair and he, well, one, when he's rolling. They're dancing! They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that was funny. The when he's uh, the runaway wheelchair down the stairs of the oh! that, that was pretty good. But the one that really gets me is when they uh, um, when Michael Caine and um, Headley go they're, da- they're they go up the stairs, and he's like he can he can do it. He can yeah. He has to get over it. He, but like when they finally show Steve Martin is up the stairs, but he like it looks as if he has crawled his way all the way up, and he's just holding on to the doorknobs. Um, and that really, <laughs> that really got me. Uh, just that whole that whole bit, and yeah, like, that type I, I, of stuff I, love, I find so funny. I'd when love it, to come up there with you. Well, go ahead. What's stopping you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and those scenes are especially funny because it's like. You know what's going on, but watching her face in the background where it's yep. like, oh my god, if I didn't know what was going on here, I'm like, I would I would sock that guy. Yeah. I don't care well, how good of a doctor you are. I would punch you in the face. Well, also, I do think that that is very subtle foreshadowing, and also, yes. I love a good miscommunication shtick, which is the Well, whole... a miscommunication stick, which is, oh, shtick, which is on the opposite end of a, these two people have something going on that the third person doesn't see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh so when he's when Michael Cade's being a total dick to Steve Martin at the club dancing with Emil his Schofazen. woman while the two sailors are seeing <laughs> their brother in a wheelchair <laughs> and, and, not- and, and, and he comes up to him and, and they can hear, wouldn't you like to dance with her? <laughs> and he like turns and starts dancing with her, and he's making out with her. On the I floor. yeah, I just love that the build up in that scene is so Steve Martin is pretending to be in a wheelchair, and uh, Michael Caine is pretending to be this psychiatrist that can cure Steve Martin of his ailment, which is psychological because he yeah, can well, walk. The, the the best part about it, right, is he presents initially as a wheelchair bound veteran of war but his being bound to the wheelchair has nothing to do with right. his service and has everything to do with this and this is again this is oh kind of a Ben, a ben Stiller thing where it's like the most absurd over the top lie right. that has all of these ridiculous details about going on like American Bandstand and his the love of his life dancing with the guy hosting the show and then they're screwing on the dance floor right. and he witnesses it and then it causes a mental breakdown that's created his paralysis. Not a fake war v- veteran, just a guy who happened to be a veteran and also is paralyzed, totally unrelated. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. It's uh, that that whole thing is so silly. And the two but what I love about that scene is the two sailors behind him are so they have an opinion of what's going on and they're they're just they're like in a third of the frame. Yet their facial expressions and their in, their communication between each other without actually vocalizing to the audience because you can't hear what they're saying or thinking or doing, but there you can see how irritated they're getting and you understand you know why you connect the dots instantaneously as to why and you're like this is really funny I bet this is about to play out into something and sure enough it does and the way that that all plays out this whole the whole movie going from like 
just with like somebody thinking they have the upper hand, but the other person actually has it. Like that whole yes, bit. The, the, that that continual cascading of I've outdone you. Yeah, but no, you haven't. I've outdone you, but no, you haven't. I've outdone you. It's so <laughs> and now they can that is continue so to good. pivot over and over again. I love Michael that. Michael Caine pulling out the fucking the the the, the, the badge to show his service, and that's why the yes. don't actually throw him into a box to go to Timbuktu or wherever the so, fuck he was going to go. so great. Yeah, and it's just so, it's so funny. Cause you don't, and you know what I like about that too is like believable in the context of what's going on, but no no hints that that could be the reason, right? So it is a, it's it's a pure, the first time you watch it, it is pure shock. It's a good surprise. Yeah. That, oh, you think oh, he's dead to rights? Oh, he's got like, yeah, like he, he overcame it because of this thing that is actually feasible for the context of the character and everything. It's not, it's not like it just, uh, we just did it for the sake of plot. Like it makes sense that he may actually be like, have that right. Like he may actually, you know, nothing of, you you know, nothing of his life prior to being the scam artist. Right. Okay. Like his age fits with like, that could well have been his backstory. Right. Right. Um, I also to stick on that scene of them at the club where he's dancing with the girl, to, so we're talking to, about so Michael Caine is dancing with Headley, Glenn, yeah, Glenn Headley, while Martin, while Steve is, Martin is, is wheelchair bound, clearly infatuated with her, but can't get out of the wheelchair because of this quote unquote psychological break he's had. These two sailors are watching this, thinking that his actual doctor has stolen his actual girl <laughs> and is taunting him on the dance floor just right. out of reach because he can't walk. Yeah, and that is probably one of the best scenes. Although one of only a few, which actually I think the best part of Steve Martin in this whole movie is actually his facial acting, mm. because he makes some of the funniest faces in this movie. And when the two sailors get his attention to ask if they want if he wants their help with punishing Michael Caine for being an absolute prick from their eyes, yep. And he starts telling the whole story about you know I wouldn't feel so bad, but she uh, she used to be my girl, you know, and all yeah. of this and. Uh, because I just feel like if I could get her out of the way, I'd have a chance. And the face he's making, while well, he has his back to them, and he keeps turning to look over his shoulder to talk to them. <laughs> and when they say, you know, hey, would you like us to, there's, there's this um, ship on its, or a plane or whatever on its way out to Timbuktu, you know, tomorrow, would you like your buddy to be on it? And he just turns and looks over his shoulder and he has these puppy dog eyes. <laughs> And they like they like both they nod at him and he nods and he turns back and the shit eating grin on his face that they can't see. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's not the only one. Like his all the faces he makes as Ruprecht, um crack me up mm-hmm. when they're at the dinner and he's wearing the eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, would you like to take the cork off the fork? <laughs> or no, he's like, Sir, yeah, Ruprecht, leave the cork on the fork. Why is the cork on the fork? To prevent him from hurting himself as he absentmindedly pokes himself in the eye <laughs> where the eye patch was. It's, which, and their whole series of scams where it's all these rich women yep. who Michael Caine is bilking for all this money. And he's teaching Steve Martin how to do this by whining and dining them and then finding a way to weasel his way out of whatever commitments. And using him as this prop, which makes for some of their best scams where it's like, oh, it's easy because he's not even weaseling his way out anymore. He's forcing a set of conditions in which the woman is weaseling the way out after already having given the money. Yeah. And it's, oh, I have this mentally challenged brother, which that part doesn't really age super well, but mm-hmm. it irrefutably is fairly entertaining. Um, 
considering he's not actually mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> him, yeah, Ian McDiarmid playing the butler Arthur. Sir, may I take your trident, please? As he's sitting at the table <laughs> with his trident for no reason. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Sir, may I please go to the bathroom? Yes, of course, Rupert. He, piss, he pisses himself at the table. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's better. Uh, Thank the, you. <laughs> I like the... Uh, I just like the the difference uh, in their levels, right? So, like Steve Martin's character kind of scam whoever for a quick buck, like literally no, the definition of a two bit hustler. Yeah, like no remorse, doesn't care at all who he's you know messing with. Whereas like Michael Caine's character is kind of next level. He's work. It's a higher class of con artistry, and he has a code. And I think that there's something really fun about that where, like, these are both bad guys, yet we're able to portray one as kind of the good guy of the two. Because not only does he have a code, but he's so smooth that he's able to finesse this money out of people and they leave not upset with him. Right. Whereas, <laughs> like, through the screen, I feel the slime from Steve Martin's character, right. like, on me, where I feel like I need a shower. So one other one, uh, I think one thing that sets this type of movie apart, like, um, well, I guess it's like eighty, late eighties, early nineties, like these these comedies of that time, they're not just jokes on jokes on jokes for an hour and a half, right? There's an actual plot and a good one, like a decent story, like whether it's like deep is irrelevant. There's actual like structure to the story. Yes. Uh, we have this concept of. There's structure and character. Yeah, so Michael Caine is a con artist. He has his kind of domain, this area where he works, and he does really well, and it's his spot. People kind of know, people in the biz, I feel like, know, like, okay, he's kind of got this area on lock. It's like his territory type of thing. Steve Martin comes along as, like you mentioned, this two-bit hustler, kind of messing with his gig, and uh, so Michael Caine is like, okay, small obstacle, let me get this out of the way. And I kind of liked that, right? And then it turns into this thing where Steve Martin's character realizes, oh, there's money to be made here. I'm going to stick around. So uh, Michael Caine has to get like this, figure out like, okay, how am I going to actually get him out for good? They come up with this bet. We're going to see who can swindle 50 grand out of the woman first. I was certain, I was certain for so long after that scene that Michael Caine was in cahoots with Headley. Really? I thought that the the way that the timing is of, well, who are we going to swindle? And like the crashing sound in the other room. I, and it was the too fact perfectly that timed. Yes. It was really well timed. And also, like Michael Caine clearly plans these things out over long periods of time. Like he, he like, he's on lays his home turf. He, he, you know, he's, a, he has, he's on his home turf. He's got the, the, the police inspector is on his payroll. The, hotel staff everyone in the town knows him because he's a, a, like a long venerated yeah. member of their society it would be perfectly within the realm of what he could handle when he finally because remember he, he strings him along the whole point is yeah okay i'll i'll fulfill the the bounds of our agreement slightly and i'll teach him some things but i'm also gonna do it in the most obnoxious way possible he's gonna get tired and fed up and move on yeah and he won't so okay fine playtime's over i'm gonna get rid of you and why wouldn't he come up with a totally concocted scenario, stack the deck when he's on his own home turf. Right. Right. Like, and, and do it well enough to, 
to convince the audience that he doesn't know. And like, like that would be, I feel like that would, and if they did that, great. But instead, they take it a step further in a really awesome way where, so, okay, so like <laughs> from that point forward, 80% of the time, I'm still in the back of my mind, like, okay, he has constructed this. Yeah. It's, they're playing a good part. It's Michael Caine's got it on lock, though. He's planned it all out. Okay. Towards the end of it, I'm like, oh, shit. What if Steve Martin planted her and they're working together at this next level? And then student becomes the master situation. Right. Which would make total sense. But no. Especially, especially it, since especially since him and Glenn Headley are both Americans. Right. Right. That's definitely absolutely where like where like towards the like as it was coming like closing in, I was like, okay, maybe this is what's happening. Then no, like both of those things, the first one, obvious. The second one, good twist. But what they actually do, great twist of Which going, Glenn Headley. Going, I would say going back and again, re, you know, reinforcing the point you're making about how well written this movie is, where it's like yeah. a legitimate script. They have left this trail of breadcrumbs throughout the movie that there is this other major swindler operating in Europe mm-hmm. known as the Jackal. And then they introduce Steve Martin's character, who is a swindler. Yeah. And he assumes this is the jackal and it's like, okay, you know, his, his station has been greatly exaggerated. And then to bring it home, as you were saying, for it to turn out the mega twist that no, she's the jackal and she's played these other two quote unquote masters like a fucking fiddle. Yeah. Ah, that was, that was such a great reveal. And also the characters sticking to who they are the whole way through, like Steve Martin, so pissed when he finds out in this way that like, and he is playing a type of person that I absolutely hate, which is the person that feels like they are in the right and they're just not. And they're so obviously not like, Oh, how could you do this to me? Type of thing. It's like, no idiot. Like you're a swindler. Like it's the, it's the cheater who accuses their partner of cheating. Exactly. It's it's the swindler who's upset because they've been swindled. It's a character in person that I absolutely hate, so it it, 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 it definitely it irritates me, but I also think it was you know, it's well constructed in the in the context of the movie. But oh, it's a hundred percent in keeping with his character yeah. in the course of the movie. And then Michael Caine's character being like almost like, Oh my god, I'm in love. <laughs> like she got me. Yeah. <laughs> like, the other was... statement, it's it's game respects game. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, yeah, it's like you beat me at my own game, I will literally tip my cap to you. I love I loved that. And then so only to follow it up with her bringing all of these tourists to his his land out with like a scheme two days later. that she's concocted <laughs> and i love michael i love watching you see the gears turning in michael kane's head as as she she reemerges out of nowhere with this whole group of people with this ridiculous accent like oh, that she so didn't bad. have before and so you're you're like teed up to understand okay she's doing something but she's bringing them in front of michael kane and steve martin and again like like you know like you had said game respects game she also realized like oh he's good we could be great and And it's also about to be conciliatory like hey guys i really took you for a ride this is me extending the olive right also yeah and like that it was like kind of just fun for her it wasn't like she needed to do it she just enjoyed it like that oh yeah that was kind of cool but uh, the gear is turning in Michael Caine's head, and then in character, Australian accent. Oh, it was good. It was so <laughs> good. I loved it. That was a great. That was a great way to end it. And then also like Steve Martin still whining like the whole time. It's like oh, he's a mute. 
Because we just well, that, can't deal with him <laughs> well, right now. He gets, he gets clowned the whole movie along, right? Because, you know, <laughs> tragically, he's a mute and she, <laughs> she covers his face so he can't talk. That was, that was great. Uh, did, I, iconic really soundtrack well every time... Anytime one of like the big moments comes up, that fucking that that flourish of music. <laughs> Anytime anything big happens, like which which is how they send it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always love that music. I will find myself humming or whistling that occasionally, especially if I've seen the movie recently. Sure. Um, the three of them had tremendous interactions, despite being all over with the character. She's playing this like seemingly super naive and almost like bimboy like soap queen but no she's not actually she's just this regular woman and she's kind hearted mm-hmm. but really she's a fucking cold-blooded killer like swindler and you have michael kane who is a swindler but he thinks he's above it all and then he's playing this prick german doctor or whatever he is and yeah and then you have steve martin who is an absolute son of a bitch who is pretending <laughs> to be this tragic <laughs> woe is me war hero who's like the sad sack and he's trying to get his confidence back but like he just keeps getting clowned over and over again. He's got to sit there and take it because otherwise he's going to ruin that character. Yeah, and just the three of them playing off of that all the time. I like, just I, the, the voice he puts on whenever he's trying to do a sob story to her cracks me up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just afraid that no one's ever going to love me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also I just love like the 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 level to like that Glenn Headley's Headley's like a, a master at her craft. In that, in in hindsight, you could see how she played them both throughout every step of it, right? Where she, okay, it's obvious like both her and Michael Caine are able to play Steve Martin's character because he's an idiot. So like they they're like, okay, child in our business, yeah. like we can deal with you on any number of levels. The her character realizing that Michael Caine only operates on people that kind of deserve it slash won't miss it. Yeah. And then using that to real, to, to, to highlight an area that she actually doesn't have money to kind of win him over and get him to help her out. Like it's just a master plan. Like it's awesome. And I just love the way that all plays out and that you don't really know any of that until the end. And until it's until it's actually like revealed to you. And I really appreciate that. Like, I, I love a movie that can hint subtly at something right along the way. I don't think that there are subtle hints about this. It's more There's of like hint. a post reveal. There's one singular hint. And it's the very first time you see her on screen. Mm-hmm. And it's entirely in framing and how you read a scene. Because the way they frame it, mm-hmm. when she's first revealed after... You know, like we said, they're they're trying to pick the mark for who they're gonna because the whole point was that their competition was they have to extract the same amount of money from the same person. Fifty thousand dollars couldn't just be from anyone. They both have to work the same person at the same time. Yep. And there's then like as soon as he says it, there's the klutzy thing she knocks over the yep. tray from some like waiter or whatever. And <clears throat> they they zoom in on her and she's looking around and you think it's an embarrassed, self conscious look. But if you watch it again, it's a uh, reading the room, incredibly calculating look. Yep. That's the only hint you get in the whole movie. And yeah. the only one that you recognize in retrospect, which is great. And like, I, I like, to ha- there's just like an artistry there, like in filmmaking. And like, I kind of, we talked a little bit about it with better call Saul of like, you can put these things in play 
and they mean nothing until you have the whole picture. Like you can't, I, I don't think that you watch that any, as anyone the first time through and make that connection that that's what's going on. But in hindsight, there's a little treat for you when you rewatch it. I love that. I think that that's a yeah. really, uh, it's just a really great way to execute a twist and a movie, a comedy movie with such a silly nonsense plot has no right being this complex in its stories. <laughs> and like, and, and, and it's, like, it's incredibly silly. And like you said, it's not super deep. It's not super shallow either, but the premise is fairly straightforward, but the way it's plotted and scripted out and the depth of character that you get is well above. But like you, like you said earlier, it's of that time. Like back mm-hmm. then, a movie like this, a, co- a, a comedy, like it had to stand on incredibly strong script, especially when it's rated PG, like, cause they yeah. don't go with super vulgar jokes. You know, this isn't like a shock value. This isn't the hangover. This isn't Step Brothers. This isn't super bad. This is a relic of a different time, which is the point I was making about it being in my tweet length review about it being a throwback because they don't make <clears throat> for better or worse. They don't make movies like this anymore. No. And like there, there, there's for some of the better is the incredible, like I said, the cleverness of the script. The downside is it's been a long time since I've seen the actual opening of the movie because you know mm. it's oh it's on TV I'll throw it on I always seem to catch it from roughly the time where um, Michael Caine bails him out of jail and mm-hmm. he starts under his tutelage <laughs> and so I forgot like I remember the broad details of the beginning of the movie but I forgot how long it takes to get to that point it's like oh. That didn't age super well. The pacing of that would never be allowed to stand on a comedy anymore. Hmm. If you're doing a comedy movie, you have to be getting laughs and legitimately from the, in, within the first five minutes. Of the- I, I will say so in a, because you have seen the movie multiple times, it probably felt that way. But I will say that as for fresh eyes watching it, um, there's enough going on in those scenes to be captivating of like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel slow. Like the pacing doesn't feel bad it feels well established by the time we get to the main plot yeah. point and it doesn't feel like time was wasted getting up there, which I was actually funny enough. I was concerned with going in because I do feel like a lot of movies from that era do suffer from that. Um, but then I, then I realized that a lot of movies from that era I have seen before. So I was mm-hmm. like, it's very, it's rare that I'm watching one for the first time. And I think from that perspective, I actually do think that it was it was fine. It didn't bo- it didn't bother me at all. So it's it's definitely not egregious. It's de- it's not that it dragged. It's just I, to me, I just like it's still interesting. It's compelling sure. stuff. It's just I was surprised. If, I was like, wow, wow. It, it takes like a long time to get to the actual yeah. comedy of it. I forgot how long it took, but it's not like it's a drag or a bore. It's just I don't think that a movie like that could get away with that if it was made today. But yeah. also a movie like that that was made today would never have the depth of plot and character it has. And those are like essential infrastructure for plot and character, the, yep. those opening minutes of the movie. Um, and, and the scene where he first you first see Michael Caine scam uh, the woman where he's at the casino um, and you see the whole thing where he's, he tries to auction off um, whatever. And, and you, know, you find out that he's this you're supposedly <laughs> this, this displaced prince or whatever yeah. who's fallen on hard times the way it all go like you said talking in front of the bushes and then his escape into the bushes and the perfect role that um i forget the name of the police inspector's name yeah uh, like where he's, he's a great he's, great character too 
yeah, he's playing his part in, you know, oh, I've already said too much. You know, okay, and then he tells the whole story, and it's it, it's incredible to see all that. And it's funny, when you compare that against, considering Steve Martin didn't witness that stuff, and you see his own version of trying to elicit sympathy at the... <laughs> he's pawning his war yeah. medals at the table. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so stupid. You know what? Another, another scene, this is a great, like, throwaway thing, right? Real, But... I definitely tickled me like a laugh out loud moment when they're, they're working the mark um, Glenn Headley and he's at the Michael Caine's at the table and he's following her bets, but with big, with big bets, but he keeps winning. Mm. And when he goes to cash out and he's like, just, just my luck. And, <laughs> but he's like, he's just like raked in like a few grand because <laughs> The way that it worked. I just thought that was so funny because like he's complaining about his poor luck and you see the look on the cashier's face as he's pushing the money to him. <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was so good. Uh man. So funny. Well I I definitely appreciate the uh the uh, the recommendation on this one. That was it was a, it was a lot of fun. I know, because I, I, I know this is a movie I've talked about a bunch of times in the past, and when I found it when when you were over at Easter that you hadn't seen this, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, we have to rectify this. Even if you don't end up loving it, it seems like you liked it, and yeah. I'll, I'll fully admit, my grade uh, is is so high because, uh, you know, I've seen this movie so many times. I'm sure nostalgia plays a, a certain... Oh, yeah. There's, there's no question about that. That's I just genuinely love this movie. There's not really a single negative that I can find to this movie. I just may overplay some of the positives of it. Sure. Um, I, I will say we, there's one other scene we didn't touch on, despite the fact that we touched on many things thematically that were very similar that always genuinely cracks me up. And it's the scene when they first have breakfast after they're all staying there. And <laughs> it's, yeah, you have uh, Ian McDermott, who we haven't mentioned yet, the emperor, getting a little work from his buddy so, that was so funny and he you know he comes sir there's a uh <laughs> well before that is i you know we i couldn't find freddie and is oh um you know nothing to worry about he goes there was this note and it's it's a suicide note <laughs> and right as they're reading the suicide note you see him in the background it's an incredibly well shot all of it the whole sequence is incredibly well shot he's rolling himself down the path with a thousand yard stare. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks, he does again, the look over the shoulder to see if they're watching him. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks back. <laughs> just ignore him. You know, we're not having the time of our life. Let's laugh. Laugh, laugh you know, loud laughing. so he can hear it. <laughs> As he just keeps rolling himself to the <laughs> stairs that go down to the beach. Incredibly long staircase down to the beach. You know, and then Arthur comes back out. There's a set, uh, a man trying to sell a satellite dish. He goes, what the bloody hell do I want a satellite dish for? And he walks back inside, and Steve Martin goes, like, game on, or whatever yeah. it is. And he turns and looks at her again, and she looks at him, and he rolls himself down the staircase to kill himself. <laughs> and she goes to chase him from 100 yards away. And they cut back to him, because you hear him screaming and rattling. And you see him pushing the chair down oh, the stairs yeah. and running as he's, as he's screaming. And he, again, throws it onto the beach yep. and starts crawling down the beach because now he's got to be back in character again. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. Very funny. Very funny. Any other closing thoughts on this one? No, I just love how much Arthur hates um, Steve Martin's uh, Freddy. I love yes. how much he hates him. He has a couple of like snide under his breath comments to mm-hmm. him, which 
because he's like on screen a bunch, but he only has a handful of lines. Yep. But he does crack me up. Um, I really did enjoy the montage where he's teaching him how to to snip up the 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 plants and and, and the flower and create a boutonniere. He's teaching him how to toast with the champagne glass and yep. he can't get it. And this <laughs> he's trying to lean against the pillar and he keeps <laughs> he slides down. down. He, he falls. He can't get his hand in the pocket. Like it's just the stupidest. A, mo- a montage stupid shit. is definitely uh, is, you know a token from that era and I, I love- to. I love putting it. on the Ritz yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah. so, so good. Uh, that was a fun time. Thank you for that one, Al. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out. Yeah.